Hello, my fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure is the supreme leader of leader bikes, Mr. Shaheen Alvandi! And today... Wait, leader bikes? Yeah. All right, that's fair. I have a couple of leader bikes. Yeah. I'm like the... Um, you, got, least... you have... You're uh, non-discriminatory when it comes to displacement of motorcycles. I am. I, I, you know, all displacements matter to me. Um. <laughs> no displacements left behind. No displacement left behind. Um, but yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that. I think the smallest displacement vehicle in my ownership right now is my 999. Ooh. Yeah. Well... Well, you no, you still have your Alta. The Alta, but it doesn't have this. That's a zero displacement. The zero displacement. <laughs> <laughs> I like to, I like to tread on both sides of this equation. That all the displacement and none of the displacement. It's like a two fifty, four fifty equivalent. It's ish. somewhere in that. Yeah, ish. <laughs> it's kind of hard to peg it down. Maybe a three fifty. I don't know. It depends on what mode you put it in. Yeah, because it does well, have four modes on true, there. Right? I think on mode four, it's basically a four fifty. It's a ludicrous mode. It's what it's that just, is. It just goes plaid. <laughs> <laughs> it jams everyone's radars and goes plaid. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to work. Yeah, we're, that formula needs to get get figured out. I don't think people have quite. Oh, uh, like what what displacement do you have based on how much power it makes? What yeah. kilowatts it puts out? I mean, I guess at the end of the day, you could just look at motor horsepower ratings, call it even, or torque ratings. Yeah, is it kilowatt ratings? On those, or is, or is it yeah? Typically, rating? you measure an electric motor in kilowatts. Yeah, and I mean that's, in Europe now they they measure it in kilowatts. But like that, all, like that, all torque. No, that's power. Kilowatts is power. Torque would be newton meters or foot pounds. Ah, or pound feet, I should say. Don't don't give me that foot pound. Foot pound, baloney. That sounds like a wrestling move. And he's coming down with a foot pound. Yeah. Poof. Big, big pet peeve of mine. I can't believe I, I fell for that trap myself. Shame on me. Uh, you've been busy, sir. Tell you've me been about busy, you. sir. I haven't, seen you, I haven't seen you in like what feels like two weeks. Uh, I, I looked. Yeah, it's been 12 days since the last episode dropped, but I think that one took a little while to get out. So it's probably been closer to two weeks since we were recording. Dang. It's been a little you while. You look a little more slim. I don't think that's true. The six Just pack, been, the I mean, six pack diet. So many carbs, all the carbs. But I've been doing so much. Like I, I've been busy. Yeah, been very busy. Although, well, we're gonna. So we should we should tell our readers, our readers, our listeners. I mean, they read tell, sometimes. <laughs> they, they probably read too. <laughs> um, but like we've, there's so much to go on here. We we've probably got like a three to four hour show for you. But we won't do that too. So we're going to probably split this up. So I think we're going to focus on kind of the more time sensitive stuff in this episode. Uh, and then episode 17, we'll kind of pick up where we left off with kind of the less time sensitive things. So yeah, why don't we book or let's, let's table some of the stuff I've been doing. Tell me what you've been doing. Cause I've, you, um, you've, been, you've done some rad things. I've, I've, I've been keeping true to my word of going out and hitting the dirt on the big bike. And man, have I been hitting some dirt and some mud. It just stopped raining and we didn't consider what would be up there waiting for us. Um, and a lot of it is, 
I would describe gently as, you know, when you buy kind of like high end peanut butter or almond butter and it still has the oil on it. No, I buy Jiffy. All right. Well, next time when you're a grown man, I had peanut butter. <laughs> that's the expensive ass peanut butter, man. Are you kidding me? I don't well, got time got the, for that. You got to buy the almond butter. It's good for you. It's a superfood, Jensen. I think someone said. I read. <laughs> First, define what the term superfood means. It's super tasty. And two, I don't think there's a big difference between almonds and peanuts. <laughs> Taste. They're both nuts in your They're, mouth. Yeah, so. it's salty nuts in your mouth and you'll like it. <laughs> You're getting the butter of the nuts. <laughs> just lots of just just, salty, greasy butter. I don't like very, this anymore. You have to be very secure in your manhood to eat peanut butter or, or almond butter, as the case may be. I, you have to be, and I eat it with a spoon out of the jar and let the oil oh, kind of Are you one of in. those? That's that's how I keep this beard very shiny. Oh. It's the oils. Oh. I'm kind of a dry guy for a Middle Eastern guy. I need external oils. Okay. That's fair. This conversation is going the right way. <laughs> so anyways, about motorcycles. So motorcycle. You forgot that this is a motorcycle show. That's oh, yeah, what happens. Motorcycles. So That's right. <laughs> uh, so our, uh, my little uh, tiny group of uh, no do-gooders decided to pack our backs up, uh, bikes up and head way into eastern Oregon because the weather last weekend decided to turn to crap here. So we thought maybe the Cascades would hold the the clouds at bay while we kind of went about three hours east into the Ochako Forest, which turns out if you do that during uh, Memorial Day weekend, Ooh, you're yeah. not the only one out there. Yeah. There's a lot of people. And the Ochako is especially full of people. So we just kept finding these trails that didn't have people on there, but they turned out to be muddy and hilarious and 600-pound motorcycles with not like super dedicated off-road tires. We're talking 50-50 tires. Well, you got your tractor tire. You're good I, to the go. tractor tire did well. So I, I will say uh, this, and I know my buddies who are listening so to this are gonna, are gonna just hit me in the face next time they see me. I was the only one that didn't go down. Ooh, <laughs> so Motos, Tractionator, Tractor, Super Duper, fucking plywood tires. They went up. Those they did are, the thing. Those things are gross. I do not. Yeah. I do not endorse those tires. <laughs> I do not. They did the thing. <laughs> Um, they actually did really well. Those tires kind of come into their own when it comes out into the into the BDR style riding. But man, it's one thing to ride your Alta or your dedicated lightweight dirt bike up an, a greasy uphill because you just stay on the power and let the front end kind of track and the rear end figure its thing out and you go up there. It's another thing to do that with a 600 plus pound motorcycle and all your camping gear on there. <laughs> and just, I mean, one of our poor buddies, he had like, the 9010 tires, which are mostly road tires. And this poor guy, it was his first time coming out with us, and he was a rock star. He did not give up, but damn it if he didn't go down four times. <laughs> well, you know, the skill set is the same. Like the 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 what you're gonna do on the bike in terms of body position right. and throttle right. and all that jazz, that's all the same. But the commitment to the line that you pick. <laughs> And boy, do you have to commit. It's definitely a bigger commitment. And the thing to try and tell somebody, it's funny. When you get stuck in a rut in the mud, for those of you who have never done it, once you get stuck in that rut, you just kind of committed to that rut, especially when it's slick and your tires are just caked. There's zero traction. The minute you try to command that bike to get out of that rut, you're on your side. There's just no real two ways about it, especially when you're not going that fast and there isn't a... They're just so heavy. So these guys, every time they would try and come out of the rut... The front end was like, nah, we're not doing this. <laughs> lay down. No, we weren't going that fast. So the lay downs weren't exactly, you know, harsh. Uh, we had one a, a hard case on the left side of our buddy's bike get banged up, but 
we we put that back in its place. You with mean you rock. added character to it? That's exactly what it was. This was a brand new bike. I think his bike's got like a thousand miles on it. It now looks seasoned. Mm. You should see my bike out there. I forgot to wash it. Oh yeah, yeah. Is I, it in my detail- driveway? I detailed it. Yeah, I detailed it on Thursday and took it out on Friday. And everybody who was with me. were like, "Why'd you even bother?" I'm like, "I don't know. It's like making your bed before you get on it." I don't, real nice. I don't make my bed before I get in. That's, that's just... I'm married, Jensen. The, I got to make the bed. <laughs> yeah. Bachelor life is very different. Don't fuck around, Jensen. <laughs> Whatever keeps Anne happy. That's yeah, exactly. fine with me. I'm on board. But she doesn't I'm just ask saying, for much. She just wants a tidy bed. I only tidy my bed when people come over. <laughs> um, so, no, that was, we had a blast. We really had such a good time. Uh, it was neat to see one of our friends kind of get acclimated with being on gravel. I, I need to talk to somebody about how to set up my suspension properly because at like 50 miles an hour on loose gravel, that front end gets super vague to almost like into a tank slapper. So I need to figure out how to put maybe a little more something up there. I don't know. I I, th- I feel I feel like the suspension is not set up for a 240 pound rider with 50 pounds of crap in the back. Your bike has the electronic suspension on, doesn't it? Does, it does, and I had it set up for essentially two riders and bags. Do you set the sag on that? Uh-huh. I mean, I know you can change out springs and stuff. I, I just that's what I'm going to do. A couple of couple of guys that are also listeners um, that interact with me on my personal Instagram saw pictures of it, and they're like, you should talk to so-and-so. So I got to make some phone calls and see what, what springs are out there for my hefty ass. I mean, you are, I would say, outside the design envelope that Ducati imagined when it built that bike. I like steak and beer. I- you know, I, hey, you know, I'm outside the design envelope too. I think, and I think, I think anyone over 180 pounds was outside the yeah, design pretty envelope. Much, man, I think when they say like two up plus bags, they mean just me. I mean, truthfully, <laughs> I've a few a few times like uh, when I've been on bikes with electronic suspension, and especially if it's like we're we're railing through some street sections, mm-hmm. like some canyon carving, I will put the the setting to passenger with luggage and stuff just to get more preload just to stiffen it up right to make it a little bit more sporty because my uh what i consider comfortable and what they consider comfortable are kind of different suspension settings i'm noticing on my bike the minute i put all my camping gear which is so it's you know we're talking tent cot sleeping bag pillow bringing a cot with you yeah man i have a cot that that you take apart It's, it's like it's like one foot by I don't know, 10 inches and about four inches thick when you take it all apart. See, camping has changed so much now. Like, I just, so I'm a Boy Scout, right? So I, I do it OG style and I got to go camp this weekend at the track because that's how that's going to oh, be. Oh, yeah. Oh, you sleep in the back of your. your no, forerunner. not though. Like, I can't, I don't fit in the back of my Forerunner. Oh. Forerunner is about four inches too uh. short in length. So either I have to open up the tailgate and let my feet dangle out the Push back. Push both your seats forward in the front and then put your head at the tailgate. Doesn't Still? work. Doesn't really? work that way, sir. What? Does not work that way, sir. Um, so I'll be sleeping in a tent, but like cots, Where? cots. We don't bring cots when Are you go sure hiking. You, you, you can borrow my cot if you want. I don't want to bring. Well, I might bring. I might borrow a cot. It's pretty good. Cots, just, cots is a game changer. No more rocks. No more flat hard spots underneath you. It's true. I don't. I got a nice thick mattress pad. Like like you could put that on the cot and be like glamping. But really what bothers bothers me more is mosquitoes. That's why I like the tent. Mm, yeah. I do not like mosquitoes. Uh, we obviously live more or less in what looks like the rainforest when you go out into the jungles out here. And there are some serious skeeter bugs out there. And so Anne got me like this 
100% deet stuff. Oh, I yeah. swear a layer of skin the, comes off. The jungle juice? It's, it's just like thick. You gain like a pound when you put it on you. Yeah, well, that's the cancer that it's causing. It's uh, um, I feel like my my extra dark skin might be a little more impervious to it, but I don't know. Yeah. I think that's just the sun. I feel like this deep stuff just goes into your body. And oh, that's funny you mentioned. It. It's been a while since I've I've put that level bug repellent on, but I do remember because we we have it was literally called Jungle Juice. It was 100 percent deep. <laughs> REI used to sell it, and like it has like this weird oily. Uh huh texture but it's also it also feels like turpentine it removes nail polish from Anne's fingernails really that's as soon as i saw it, i'm like that ah, makes sense. fuck no wonder the mosquitoes don't bite this shit's killing me it's like if brake cleaner was one of the main ingredients <laughs> i would 100 believe i wouldn't, I wouldn't be a dot5 wow these guys are serious yeah 5.1 <laughs> shit's boiling points way up there <laughs> yeah you could uh, stand in the fire and not catch that's um that would be an argument for why you'd want to go to venture riding in the desert. <laughs> well, so we went to the high bugs. desert and it wasn't bad. Uh, it, oh, we saw UFOs. You did not see UFOs. We, I have photographic evidence. You were full of it. We saw UFOs. Oh my God. You, your tractor tires and your UFOs. We're gonna talk Dude, about I'm living the life. I have a Multistrato with, isn't it funny? Ducati makes like a high performance bike and then I just put shit tires on there like, it handles funny in the corners now. <laughs> I don't know what the problem here is. That's why I see UFOs. It was. I need to be worried about you. Is what I think. You ought to be. I think Ann and I are gonna have to have an intervention. You know, I think if you press the Siri button and ask her for new friends, it'll just tell you go fuck yourself and make better choices. <laughs> uh, all right. So tell me your UFO story. I want to know. I, I saw uh, the thing. Show with, me on the doll where he, he, they put the probe. Coda, come here. I'm gonna point on you. <laughs> she's not even. She's like, fuck this. Fuck like, your show. I'm fuck out. Fuck that. <laughs> fuck your tires. Fuck your UFOs. So I will say this: there was no. No, there was a glass of whiskey involved. I was about to say there was no alcohol. But there was no glass of whiskey involved. But come on, man. I need a bottle to make me feel that good. Oh, my gosh. We, I'm glad to say two of us saw him because at the time it was just two of us out there and we both saw the thing and we took a photo of it and it was crazy. And it was like seeing basically an 18-wheeler up in the sky from like go from horizon to horizon except there was like 20 of them. I say 18-wheeler because it was a perfectly straight line. So to me, it looked like an intergalactic uh, uh, parcel unit. It was crazy. Look at the photo. Are you sure it wasn't just like a meteor shower? No, we thought it might be, but it was, it never wavered. It never changed intensity. It never changed speed. It didn't like flash in and out. It was just like, it was almost like seeing, have you ever seen the International Space Station from from the ground up? Mm -hmm. So it was like seeing that, except like 30 of them, like perfectly spaced out, going the exact same speed from horizon to horizon. Hmm. It was insane. I'm going to show you the photo and then... If the listeners want to see it, just message me and I'll send it to you because I'm not putting this up because this is how you go to the loony bin. I saw UFOs, man. I don't know why people don't believe me. There it is. Okay. I mean, that's a streak across the sky. It's a big, long streak across the sky. I had to get up and show them this. And we captured that with the phone, so it was that bright. The phone could do it. So, I mean... What I hate to do is is boo, tell you what boo, this actually boo, was. Boo, boo, boo. So I want actually no, do tell us because we've been looking it up and we can't find it. Yeah. So what this was is about two weeks ago, uh, SpaceX their Starlink satellites were deployed, and that's exactly what they look like because they they just go around. I don't know. How, I'm I'm making hand motions. How many on of the them podcast. are they together? Because like, I mean, there's like sixty of them. There's a bajillion. Yeah, of this them. is huge. Because they're basically making a ring around the, oh. the glow of the Earth to 
bounce the signals and can stuff. you please send me that story yeah, i want to send it to my buddy because we're literally going to telling everybody like ufos man we said the et came down and touched our buttholes with its thoughts i don't know if i can do a good google search on this are you telling me elon musk is in charge of this shit this is what this is what yeah there it is that was from fizz.org Fizz? yeah it's like a popular physics physicist thing Oh, so it's 60 pH. Starlink satellites were, were deployed. I've right never seen same, anything like that. around the same time you were out in the middle of nowhere. It was exactly then. It was Memorial yeah. Day weekend, Friday. Yeah. Uh, I have so many questions. So, mystery solved, not aliens. Damn it. Well, it's Sorry. still technically an unidentified flying object to me. I mean, it was. Haha. <laughs> until we identified it right now. Damn it. No so, more. Right, it was a UFO have, when you said it was now UFO. I've seen not UFOs. Now, no longer UFO. Now, I've just seen FOs. I. I IFOs. Ooh, it doesn't. Mm. You should see a doctor for your IFO part problem. I've been contributing to my IFO off my paycheck every if month. <laughs> if your IFO lasts longer than 45 seconds, it's a really big IFO. Have you heard the new album from IFO? It's pretty lit. <laughs> did they sing to IFO to quit? <laughs> God damn it. Oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. So after I saw these IFOs the next day. <laughs> oh, shoot, we're still in this That's section. right. We went to the Painted Hills in Oregon, and then we took oh, this yeah. crazy cool gravel road. If you just go past them, it becomes gravel. And uh, we showed up to the backside of what used to be the old Rajneeshi camp, camp site, camp ground, whatever the hell it is. I was just talking to someone today that I want to go see that. It's, I think, creepier now than it used to be. Really? Yeah, because it's in the middle of the desert. There's nothing there. And then there's this oasis in the middle, and there is about 2,000 children there. It's young life. Is it really? It's, it's, young, it's, it's a young life it's, camp it's now? Like, it's like the campground that everybody wants to go to. It's beautiful. And we show up on our motorcycles, and we all stop like, is this the Roshni? Why are they still? What's happening? And so we start kind of riding towards it, because that's the only direction we can go. And then there's like adults walking towards us like, what are you guys doing here? We're like, nothing. We're out of here. <laughs> we're cool. <laughs> so we get to the gate, and it's like, oh, it's young life. Oh, okay. And then we got to Antelope, and Antelope is as creepy, if not creepier, than it was in the 80s when this shit happened. And it's like all boarded up, and I think maybe like five people live there now. Huh. And so we started talking to, I don't know why, we just like to talk to strangers, but. You are very good at talking to strangers. I am. I, I like You I, have a personality for it. I get yelled at by people for talking to strangers a lot. I mean, if aliens did come to our planet, they'd find you and be like, we're going to talk to him. Be like, come here. He's your representative. I have things to say for Earth yeah. to you. <laughs> Please take me. Uh, <laughs> um, but apparently the, the antelope residents are still not that pleased that there is yet another large group of that's hanging out over people. there. But it's their own people now. So, well... They're close on the on the on the spectrum. They're like one standard devi- deviation closer to the middle. <laughs> um, so for those that don't know about the Rajneesh, like you have to go watch the documentary Wild Wild Country on Wild Netflix. Wild Country. It is worth the viewing. It yeah. is fast. I watched it again after I went to this place. I, was I, like, I need to see it again. I think I need to watch it again. I was literally just talking to someone today about it, so it's really funny you bring that up. Um, another good one is Behind the Curve, which is a documentary on flat earthers. That's all I'm going to say. Just, oh, just watch it. Am I going to be yelling at the television at them or laughing? It, the sociologist in me is fascinated by both these documentaries. Really? Just fascinated. I don't care. Like, you don't have to believe in whatever the Rajneeses were believing in, which was craziness, or whether 
fucking, if you think the earth is flat, just go fucking kill yourself. But there's a lot of them just, around the earth that believe in this. <laughs> oh my God. Like, that's one of my just, favorite things, by the way. It's just one of those things like, oh, you think that? Like, if you can think that, then you can think whatever you want. The earth, the, the sky is green. Gravity doesn't exist. Like, but it is interesting. In fact, actually, there's a really good point. The, the flat earther one was like, it's not that these people are dumb. It's that they don't, they have lost all trust for like government and society and institutions. And so like, they like, they question everything. And that's like, that's a part of their, their ethos is the ultimate this, question. This, they just, they, they're, they're just questioning everything. And that's like, they see it as like, that's their role is, is to like debunk the, the wool that's been pulled over our eyes. So it's not just like a lot of them aren't just flat earthers. They're, they don't believe in fluoride in the water. They don't believe in vaccinations. They don't believe in gravity and like just the lunar landing and all these things. Like they're just like these are all hoaxes. And like there's a lot of power that they get from from like we're we're, we're the enlightened ones. Like we know the real truth. You, all of you that think the world is round, you've been you know tricked by them or whoever it is. What do you think they would have said if they saw the IFOs I saw? Oh, they were 100%. That's that's the U.S. government talking to the aliens, getting ready to put fluoride in our water or something stupid like Wait, that. That's, I mean, halfway true. There is satellites up there. I mean, the satellites. And they're kind of maybe talking. They're kind of talking. They're not really talking to aliens. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Then it'll be UFOs. It's unless we, unless we identify Both them things again. they think are fascinating. Uh, yeah, the Rajneesh And there's a love thing. story in both of them. There is a love story in both of them. So. I have a question about the Rajneesh thing from you. Okay. Do you think they would have gone as far as they did if they weren't sort of like attacked? Like if their hotel wasn't bombed and they weren't sort of lambasted from being there? Because originally they were just showing up there. They turned the desert into a beautiful farmland and they were kind of promoting having, you know, love, free love and sex and whatever over there. No, and like as soon those- as you watch it, everybody around there is like, this is new. I don't like it. And these people are crazy. And then it kind of went south from there. All those things kind of end up just having a little like arsenic in the Kool-Aid. You know, like they all like easy Jonestown. <laughs> but it's just there it wasn't just, Kool-Aid. Let's get this shit cricked. There's just like <laughs> they all just feel like they don't have like a long game. Right. I think that's why Scientology does so well. Like I think Scientology is like, okay, like we're, we've seen the right on the wall. We got to have a long game here. We got to be able to have like something beyond like year 10. Yeah, and you know and they figured that out once they got what a rid of Elrond. Like that's that was like the thing. Like okay, we gotta get rid of Elrond. Now we got a more sustainable pyramid it's still scheme or whatever it bonkers. is. It's just ugh. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting, but it's interesting too. And again, I think both documentaries show what happens when people come into power right. and get a voice and a following and how they try to hold on to that. It's fascinating. There was a, um, Oh, there's another documentary. I can't remember the name of it. It was this, it was like an uh, Indian American, uh, from, from the country of India, not native American, Indian. Like an actual Indian. Um, and he, he originally set out to like debunk kind of the guru thing. And I don't know if it was a part of like a, like a study he was doing, but basically he, 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 he dressed in Western clothing normally, you know, started dressing in like the, I don't know what you call it. Like a, like a Buddhist monk. What do you call that? Like, but basically like in robes. Okay. 
I'm sure there's, robes. Yeah, there's, better, there's a better there's a technical name for that I'm sure I'm just messing it up today because I didn't know I was going to be talking about crazy right. Welcome Netflix to the talk where we talk about all kinds of things Hold on, yeah we'll, we'll give this a couple minutes and we gotta get back <laughs> but so he ends up pretending to be a guru and, and kind of ends up kind of duping these um these western people that are coming to India I saw this thing right he was genius he was I mean it was he had like this like the blue light the blue yeah. lights coming there and, but he would like talk with like a with an indian accent and like a weird he, he's like the flowy, i'm a little high indian accent yeah he's like the most cut and dry like americanized dude you've ever met probably listens to like daft punk in his celic celica yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> but he just but so he, he but he does like this whole like you know, he's actually a pretty good actor and he sells it pretty well and he ends up getting like a following of like 20 people yeah. and then like the women start like kind of offering themselves to him and, like he ends up basically creating a small cult and I think there was like a split second where he actually kind of fell for it. Where he's like, yeah, like we're doing it. I think I'm actually healing people. I think we're actually, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. I'm he, making he, he all of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm making this all up. And that, that was like the day. <laughs> I think it was like the day after like one of the more attractive like followers was like, I want to have your baby. Let's go right now. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. no, wait, that might actually be rape. I might actually, because I'm, I'm faking who I am. This, this is the, like the next day he like comes out. This is going too far. And it was really fascinating. But when he came out, it was amazing. It was like the number of like half the people were just like, no, we still believe you. Right. We think this is the next. This test. is a test. And then the other half were like, fuck, fuck this guy. Fuck you. What a <laughs> fucked up thing to do. Because it is a fucked up <laughs> thing to do. Up. It's like the ultimate social experiment that he wanted to do. It's just fascinating. Just absolutely. Fascinating. I totally lost track on why I was sharing this with you, but it's just fascinating. <laughs> uh, oh, because it's it's like some people like they just they get sucked into like the magneticism of 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 the whole thing that the romanticism of the whole thing. And like, he, he was a great example of that. Like he went in there to debunk it and to show like how bullshit it is. And then he himself almost started falling for it. Very fascinating. I'm going to start the church of Brapistan. Church of Brapistan. Yep. In Brap, we trust. In Brap, we trust. Dude, if we can make that um nonprofit or whatever and, and start doing little tax shelter thing. And then like every, I don't know, Saturday becomes our day of worship. Our day of worship at the track or on the trail. Wherever. Yeah. You show up to your local dealership and make, gather the masses. Make brap. Make brap. Make Break brap. brap together. Break brap together, yeah. <laughs> this this can be a thing. It could be a thing. Ooh. Mm. Can I, we go, can we take it like one step further, like the Pastafarians where you get like, like you wear a, a colander on your head? Braptafarians, you have to wear a full face helmet. Oh, that's not going to fly. Why? Because I feel like the DMV is going to frown on that. Like you're no, definitely not going to get a passport. Maybe. All right. We'll think about this. We're going to bring some three quarter helmet at least. Send in your suggestions on right. on, yeah, on the basic t- pillars of the Church of Brapistan. Yep. And uh, send them to WeBraptalk. Yep. WeBraptalk at, gmail. at gmail.com <laughs> or at BrapTalk on Instagram. I check those. I want to hear some suggestions. Uh, you know, how you expect us to go about doing this thing. We're and uh, if, if there's a lawyer out there, it can help us figure out how to become nonprofit. And uh, oh, that's just paperwork. That's easy. I feel like we can do this. That's easy. We'll um, make it a global church of Brapistan. We need to get some pillars of faith figured out. We need to come up with some doctrine. Like the two-stroke doctrine, the four-stroke doctrine. Yeah, that'd be the two-stroke the, and the four-stroke. The e-doctrine. That's the that's the that's the the V-twin, the three, <laughs> the four. May the power of the V-twin be with you. <laughs> May your life rev high like an inline four. May you get the torque. <laughs> of a twin in your sex life.
<laughs> well, we're just going to the special hell on this. I one. like it. I like it. It's a uh, and Brap Hell is a place where your bike doesn't start. <laughs> it's called owning a Ural. Oh, I have a friend who's going Sorry, through that. Miles. We have a friend who's going through that right now. <laughs> He's having a hard time. He's going but through. You know his- what? Fair play. At least a half dozen people warned him before he got that bike. Like, hey, you're making a horrible mistake. You are going to regret this. This is not going to end well. He told me about the conversation that you two had about his next motorcycle he wants to buy. And you were pretty much like, why do you continue to make bad choices? Why do you you insist on buying the worst (laughs) motorcycles in the motorcycle industry? I'm not going to say what he's buying because that's just not fair. But it is not a good choice. Like, there's like 12, 13, 14 motorcycle brands in the entire industry. And he's going for the... And you're just like, he went from 14 to 13. He's like, what are you doing? He, he's a, he he's experimenting, man. He wants to he wants to make sure he's trying the other side. Everybody buys a Honda. Who buys a Ural? My first bike was a Honda. You know what? Fucking reliable. <laughs> Fucking reliable. Say what you will. They're heavy. Oh my God, it didn't power. drink all of its Fucking oil in 2,000 miles? No, nothing was huh. beat. I sold that bike for as much as I bought it for. Because it's just... You know, the fucked up thing is if he ends up selling this Ural, it'll probably still for a decent amount of money because the people around here buy them, they love them. Because people around here are fucking idiots. Well, well that's when it just, comes you to get, their you, motor vehicle except transportation. Except for the ones that listen to our podcast, Jensen, they're extremely smart and nice people. But I don't know. If you buy bro, they're still probably the ones running <laughs> stop signs in their Subarus. <laughs> so, Jensen, what have you been up to lately? <laughs> <laughs> um i think i think we're gonna talk about what i've been up to next show i know we'll talk about one thing one thing i want to talk about before we get too far because by the time i think by the time the next episode drops i think we'll get this one out beforehand oh my god are you gonna talk about what i think you're gonna talk about oh yeah (laughs) i might get a boner street fighter v4 fuck 100 i got a boner unveiling at pike speed and it just there it is huge we've heard we've heard enough like kind of bothan spy rumor mill things spy photos to kind of already know this june 13th but ducati put out the video the other day the gloves are going to come off. Will those be the Street Fighter boxing gloves? So, um, my understanding is 1100cc version. Okay. So, it'll have the Z Torques and going to look a lot like the 1098 uh, in terms of overall aesthetic. I think the tail section looks like it got pulled directly off the Panigale. It's not a bad thing because the... Cause the 1098 Street Fighter's tail section was more or less the same, just same. without the under under yeah. seat exhaust. I mean, it's more or less going to be exactly, I think, what we were expecting yeah. in terms of it's going to be like the Panigale V4, but without a lot of the fairings. I'm curious to see what they do with all the hardware that's usually hidden with all the fairings. Well, that's always the trick, right? Um, I think it's going to be a little bit like the Tuono in the sense where it's it's going to have a little bit more fairing than a like a, half fairing a true Street Fighter would have. Right. But it'll have the upright bars. The you know we saw from the spy photos that the the headlight pod I don't know what you call that is very much the same face with the LEDs and the intake and all that, and then it's just kind of missing the lower fairing below it. I am so excited. Um, I think it's gonna look pretty rad, sir. I'm hopefully gonna go out to Pike's Peak and and see Whoa. it in person. Um, still trying to put that deal together with Ducati. So that may, I might have just jinxed it. We're gonna try. We're gonna try. Okay. Gonna my try. fingers are crossed. My legs are crossed. My we're trying to we're trying to make some things happen. Um. So that that'll be cool. Um. 
but yeah, you know, so Carlin Dunn will race it at the Pikes Peak National Hill Climb in nice. the exhibition class, going for the outright motorcycle record. Um, wow. In the heavyweight class, we have Rennie Skaysbrook on a Aprilia Tuono. We've mm-hmm. got a, I, have, I did an interview with him uh, for the motor podcast that should be coming around this, coming out the same time this show is coming out. And we got Michael Dunlop coming out and riding in S1000 RR, I believe. Crazy. So, Wait, so is it going to be a modified S1000 RR so it has um, no, standard the, handlebars on it? S1000 single R. Did, R, I, say, did okay. I say double R? Yeah. Uh, single R. I don't know if they're doing the new one. that. You, uh, no, no, they're not. Um, I'm a little surprised or not. It's just too soon. It's just too soon. And, and truthfully, that's like a more concerted effort because you're going to have to basically take a double R, strip it off the fairings, put a handlebar on it. Yeah around with suspension and all that stuff and i don't think their involvement in pike's peak is much beyond like getting a single r there probably from like the press fleet or from you know yeah so is this is this bmw going out fleet? as a manufacturer over there or i don't really think so i wouldn't show. look at this as like a true like factory effort like ducati is doing let's yeah. say um i'd say it's more like kind of what a well, even aprilia has got a little bit more of a factory thing going on that i but I think BMW is. I think BMW's thing is more just like, hey, we'll get some bikes and like we'll kind of have them set up. Like we'll have our race guys like do the suspension and maybe put a pipe on it and get rid of some of the emissions or whatever, mm-hmm. flash the ECU, whatever, you know, low level stuff we can do. But the biggest priority is just getting the riders to come fly out. So are you going to cover the race at all or are you just going there for Ducati? We'll see. Hmm. Jensen we'll up at three in the morning. Yeah. Just, oh my God. Going up the old mountain. We'll see. Listen, at the bottom of the mountain, there's a wine, little winery there, and they make really, really good affogados of all things. You know what that is? That's the vanilla ice cream with a shot of espresso on it. Yeah, it's not my jam. What? I'm just not a big coffee guy. It's a little wake you up. It's not a big coffee guy. All right. You know what I like? I like sleeping in. That's what I like. Like Mountain Dew and sleep. I like Mountain Dew and sleeping in. So yeah, I'll be, um, be very curious to see what the V4 Street Fighter looks like oh. and does and how carlin goes on it i wonder if they'll make like a standard version and like a pike's peak version that's the thing so definitely gonna have to have multiple versions you know in the past we've seen a base and an s right. i 100 percent believe we will see a pike's peak version cool and whether the, the trick will be will that be like the third tier you know beyond the s or will wow. that be basically the s or what how are they going to position that the thing i started thinking about today though price that bike's gonna be twenty G's. I mean, the last version was almost. No, it wasn't. It was like fifteen. No, the the Street the Fighter ten ninety eight S model. The base model ten ninety eight was like fifteen, and the S was like eighteen change. Eighteen ish. Might have been less. Might have been like seventeen five. So I wouldn't be surprised if the S model of this was twenty grand. No, I think the base model's gonna be twenty. What? Grand. Think about it. How much is a base model V four? Panigale. Uh, twenty da, 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 two. I literally just wrote this down. Woof. Twenty one, twenty two. There's been a lot of people a talking base about model, this. Model V four is twenty one five. Yeah, so you might be right that so, it'll be a twenty thousand dollar bike starting out. You you think? But Jensen, would you buy that? Let's just say the S model comes out to be twenty four grand. Fuck me, man. That's a lot of money. How much is an SRF from zero? Uh, twenty something, isn't it? Eighteen, nineteen. Well, I thought the like the King Dingling version was like twenty one or twenty two. 
this up. I want to make sure we're accurate. It is accurate. It, it is expensive. It is expensive. We were asked where we get our stats from. Uh, da, 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 da. Build starts at nineteen. Well, let's go premium with that. It's like twenty one already, and I haven't even added the additional charger. Fuck me, that's twenty three thousand three hundred. Yeah, I'll take that Street Fighter S. Thank you. Well, yeah, so, but I mean that's a fuckload I mean, of money. Don't throw the fucking zero in there. Talk about look at the KTM twelve ninety Super Duke R. Yeah, that's like an eighteen. I think right. it's eighteen two. Uh, Tuono V four eleven hundred R. I guess the names confused. RR. Yeah, the RR. That's fifteen five. The V four eleven hundred factory is nineteen. So you're gonna come in and be like substantially more than the competition. Yeah. I mean. That's just us just spitballing. They could come out and be like, oh, $15,000. But I, I really I would, doubt it. I would really shit my doubt pants. it. <laughs> they go that low. I think it's going to be a $20,000 bike. Probably. I, I don't disagree with you. I think there's a part of me that says Ducatis were, you know, have always sort of historically been the most expensive one. It doesn't necessarily stop people from buying it. What's going to happen, though, is they're going to make dealerships carry if there's a base model. They're going to make dealerships allocate X number of base models, and those fuckers are going to sit around. While everybody pays premium and buys the S or the Pike. Hasn't that always been the case where the base models just kind of sit and the S models move? So that's the trick, right? all the lines. Anytime I talk to anyone that wants to buy a Ducati, hey, if you want to save money, wait and then go and find a base model that's sitting around for a year and watch them bend over backwards and sell it to you. You're still going to have a Ducati. It's still going to have great (laughs) suspension. It's not going to be Olin's, but... Speaking of bending over backwards, someone sent me a photo from up up the river. Oh. The BMW dealership. Yeah. The HP4 race. Is it still there? I, this is the second HP4 race that I've seen where the sticker now says, all reasonable offers considered. <laughs> Jensen, this is your chance now to have an HP4 race for 20000 I don't think they're going to take twenty, but I bet they take fifty. I bet they take forty. Come on. You got to go low. Uh, Those guys probably listen to us like these motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, man. So... <laughs> I was at the BMW S1000 RR launch uh, in Barber last week, a week ago. And one of the things I forgot to do was ask about the HP4 race. They didn't even have one there, did they? No, they talked about it like really briefly. And I don't know why it didn't trigger my head like, oh, hey, those things are still sitting in dealerships. <laughs> I should I should be a jerk and ask about it. Um, I mean, we said this before. If you're a If you're a motorcycle lover and you want to have something crazy awesome and cool in your garage, I can't think of... A lot of bikes that can touch that. Phenomenal machine. Phenomenal. The problem is it's track only. Yeah. And like there's like it, it, you're going to crash it at some point and that's going to be a very expensive oh, day. It just makes me squirm. Yeah. I don't see that. I don't have the kind of bank that says that's okay to crash that. And then there's the whole thing with the engine. What was the what was the mileage? I think it was like 6,000 yeah, miles. Yeah, rebuild. You got to rebuild. 6,000 track miles. That's a fuckload of miles, man. That's that? a lot of writing. Hold on, let me look that up. I, I should have that. That's an interesting system. Engine life set at five thousand kilometers. So that's three thousand miles. That's a lot, though. Like truthfully, that um, that's like a couple years of riding. Yeah, on the like, track. I mean, like if you do a lot of track days, I'm trying to think of like how many miles I do on a track day. Can we can we math that out? Like a hundred miles, maybe a track uh, day. So that's like 30 track days. That's like two, three years. That's, yeah. If you're really into it. And like, how much is a motor? I mean, a motor's going to cost you a bit because those, you, truthfully, you could just go budget bargain on it and just put a stock. Just get a regular S1000 motor in there. Well, Will it fit in? 
It would, I mean, it would definitely fit, but I think the electronics would get all funky because it's going to think like the timing or the the compression or something because those motors are pretty built. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty. You're pretty, not going to really do that. But if they're saying all, all reasonable offers, I mean, you're saving so much money. With that. You're saving you, so much money. It's, uh, what was the original asking price? Eighty. Seventy-eight. Okay. I mean, just go in there and be like, I got 40 grand. You guys want to talk? I don't think anyone's taking it for 40. I bet it's better than having it sit there for another year. Yeah, that's probably true. When it's going to be worth truly 40. I still think BMW Motorage should just buy them back from the dealers. I agree. And everyone who bought one already is going to be super stoked that they got the super exclusive motorcycle that's even even fewer than they originally thought. And just put all those HP4 races in like a press fleet or give them out to VIPs or... Like we were, so we were at Barber for the the S1000, the new S1000 RR launch, and they had a California Superbike school out there. Just, just give them all to Keith Code. Let him just yeah. dick around with and them. And he loves S1000s. He does. I mean, I think it helps that it's kind of like what their partnership is. But yeah. Are you ready to talk about the new S1000 RR? Ask questions, sir. I shall answer. How, I mean, how was it? You're smiling. Yeah. Is that a ha-ha-ha smile or a ooh yeah. smile? It's an eh. Really? Yeah. What was the power? Okay, okay. Let's, I know how you feel about the V4, RSV4. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's just give it the Jensen Beeler score of 100 for the RSV4. RSV4 is 100. Yeah. So where does that put the Panigale V4? Because I remember you're only equipped with. Okay, 102. I like the Panigale V4 more than I like the RSV4. Yep. So I don't like it on the price though. Nope, my I'm money on buying motorcycle. the RC4. Just talking, just talking just, machinery just, just here. Just machinery. Yeah. Uh, wh- where do you put, say, a uh, uh, an R1, an R1? Ninety-seven. Okay, so we have ninety-seven R1. Ninety-six. Ooh, ooh. Okay. Ooh, nice. We feel that you just Dang. lost a point, just like Dang. that. That is the curse of the Woo. Jensen score. Ooh, Jensen score is finicky. So ninety-six for the R1, one hundred for the RSV4, one hundred and two. For the Panigale V4, where is the S1000 RR? The new two, 20, is it 2020? 2020. 2020. Where does that land? And then we're going to break it down from there. 97. Dang, it's only a point ahead of the R1. I like it just mar- marginally better than the R1. I think it is the best inline four on the market. That okay. is what I think. There are some significant issues, and some of them are US only. So, Understand first for starters, we did this press launch at Barber Motorsports. Yep. Barber Motorsports Park. A phenomenal facility that is a horrible place to ride a superbike. Yeah, you need smaller engines. It is such a small technical course. The asphalt needs to be replaced really badly. And yeah, I was really surprised you guys were wearing a Coda for a big Coda would have been perfect. So the hardest thing for me in evaluating this bike, there was a couple things. One was the location, and two was the format. Um so back this up a bit. We so Asphalt and Rubber was we 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 crashed the international launch. We weren't invited. We showed up anyways. <laughs> hey y'all! <laughs> one of my Swedish colleagues had an invite, and his publication got shut down, and he needed a place to publish. And I said, "Hey, Jensen, I know you're not here. Why don't we do the thing?" Unfortunately, that press launch got rained out basically. So they just did laps at Esterol in the wet, and it sucked. And one of the things they also did was they put control riders out to slow the pace of the journalists. So no one would crash. Right. So we get to Barber 
And they're doing the control rider thing. So the California Superbike School riders ended up being our control riders, which is good in a sense, like for someone like me, who's never been to Barber before. So I don't, and, and there's a lot of turns and a lot of them are blind and it's technical. Like, so it's nice to have someone who's like, Hey, I'm going to give you a toe and I'm going to show you around yeah. and here's your apex and here's your line. And here's, you know, you know, we can come in and talk to it afterwards. What gets hard is later in the day where it's like, I learn a track in like two or three sessions. So after that, like, okay, now I'm trying to learn the bike. And it's really tough when you have like a control rider, like up your ass following you and then getting in your braking zone and be like, Hey, follow me. You're not quite doing this. Like, yeah, I know I'm not doing it like a hundred percent correct, but I'm not trying to get a lap time. I'm trying to evaluate a motorcycle. Yeah. So like if I blow the turn because I'm on the brakes, it's because I'm trying to see what the threshold of the brakes are. It's not because I'm trying to put in the fastest lap possible. There's a disconnect there. Um, so it's just very annoying to have riders like control riders and other riders like interfering with your time on the bike, which is exactly what they did in Portugal. And that would be a conversation if I do another BMW launch again, uh, that we'd probably have to have with BMW because quite, in, quite frankly, I'm not interested in doing that process again. It, it was too controlled for us. It's just taking away any chance for you to really do evaluation. Exactly. And it's just like, you're, you're interfering with our process and if you really need to have control riders to limit what the journalists are doing, like you're basically saying like, we're not professionals. Like you're inviting professionals to come evaluate a motorcycle. If you do don't think our skills are up to the task, then you shouldn't be inviting us. Right. And if that's, if that's that was someone said like, Hey Jensen, yeah, you know, we didn't invite you to that launch because we don't think you're up to the speed. I'd be like, well, I think that's wrong, but that's your opinion. That's fine. Um, so that would be a whole thing. Um, I say with the caveat though, like I've been doing this 10 years. BMW Motorrad is the only company I can think of that has had a fatality on a press launch. Whoa, that, that, that's that, probably going to be a reason to put out. So that was about seven, eight years ago. It was Kevin Ash that passed away during the uh, R1200 GS launch in South Africa. It was the water. That was when the water cooled version of the, yeah. of the GS came out. Um, so I could see from a liability point of view or even just like a corporate policy where they're like, hey, we can't have that happen again. And if that means control riders and if that means... We get a little bit more German, a little bit more controlled on things. Mm -hmm. So be it. And I'd be like, okay, that's a fair, that's a fair thing to say. And that's a fair thing to think. Just understand that no one else does it like you guys do it right now. So that was hard. So the format for testing it was a little wonky and they were very particular. Like this session, we're going to go out in street mode. I'm like, well, why am I going out in road mode at a track day? I'm just never going to do that. And like, do you want me to see how loosey goosey the bike is? And then they're like, the next session, we're going to go in dynamic mode. And like, dynamic mode, it's a different motorcycle at every fucking turn. Like, you're not going to use dynamic mode on the track. You're going to use the race mode. We should have started out in the race mode. And that's the the most track-focused mode that comes um, from the baseline. Right. And then you can pay more to have the race pro modes, which is a whole nother Shazam. Um, so it's like, they're like, oh, you want to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of get it. But like, when I'm on a press launch... Like what I'll usually do is like I'll go through the three modes that I'm not going to use in one session just to be like, oh, that's what rain mode feels like. Okay, interesting. Oh, that's what road mode feels like. Okay, interesting. That's what I'm like. Okay. All right, done with that session. I've learned the track. Now I can get down to business. Let's put it in the mode that's going to matter the most. Let's start pushing the machine. Let's mm -hmm. start finding out what the chassis does. Let's start finding out what the suspension does and the and the brakes and, you know, go from there. And on, and on the S1000RR with the pro modes, truthfully, I would want to spend about half the time two, three sessions in the race mode and then spend the rest of the time in the promos trying to figure out, you know, what I can do with that extra value. Um, so there's all that. 
that you have to like separate from evaluating the machine, which right. is which is difficult to do. Like, because I I truthfully I did not have a fun day. I was sitting on the couch, kind of you know in between sessions, kind of having a little bit of a pout because I'm thinking like this is not fun. This is this is a really serious motorcycle at a really tight track that like I would never bring this bike to this track to this type of track to because I know it wouldn't be fun. 200 horsepower motorcycle does not belong a bar. Period. Is that what it's at? 200. Yeah, it's 200 and change. And BMW does not lie about power figures no. like some companies do. Like when they say it makes 200 horsepower, you put it on the dyno, it will read 200 horsepower. Uh, there, so they they are very good about that. So you have to kind of separate that out. Um, the other thing that's different from the international launch, the U.S. launch, the U.S. spec bike because of EPA noise limits has a gigantic hole in the throttle mapping between like. Five, six thousand RPMs up to about eight thousand RPMs. Whoa, right in the meat of it. And I mean, like, not just like, oh, it's like a little fuzzy, oh, it's a little thing. I mean, it's like Ninja 250 power. Yikes. So we would come out of Charlotte's Web, which is like this weird. If you looked at it, it almost looks like a triple apex. You don't really hit it like a triple apex, but it's got three left hand turns in quick succession. They're off counter, off camber, kind of downhill. It's just an awkward turn, hmm. but it's a really slow turn. And then it comes out onto like a little not really a back straight, but a quick little straight. And so, you know, the first time we go through it, we come out in third gear because I'm not working that hard. And I literally twist the throttle and nothing happens. I go all the way full throttle and it's just nothing's going on. I mean, Whoa. it's just like, and the bike slowly gets up to 8,000 RPMs and it goes, <laughs> like it just comes on like a light switch. And so as you start picking up the pace, you go in through that turn. It, it feels like it should be like a second gear turn. If it was, if it was on like, if I was on RSV4, Panagali, I'd probably take it in second just to kind of manage the wheelie coming out, just to kind of do whatever. Even in second gear, and second gear is actually where it's most restrictive. Like you just, you come out of it and you just, I want to go. I'm like, I'm on a fucking straightaway. Let's go. But you, but just because of the speed of the turn and where the gearing is, like you pop out right in that hole and you're literally just twisting the throttle and nothing happens. And there's nothing worse than a ride by wire throttle when you turn the throttle and nothing happens. Yeah. And you just sit there like there's just nothing. It's not like it, it's it's forty percent or fifty percent. Like it's twenty percent throttle. It's just ridiculous. Any way of shutting it off? No, because it's part of the the mapping for the U.S. So the the best thing we could do is was jam the bike all the way down in first gear, keep it in the revs, trying to keep it on the boil right. above eight thousand RPMs, and you come out of that turn, and you still get a little bit of the wonkiness because it's you're still kind of in that rev range. But like then you're like fucking just bringing up the front like oh, yeah. so you're quick, snapping it hard, and you're just like this. So then you have to rely on electronics, and there's a bunch of bumps and stuff. You're just sitting there like that's part of like like I'm getting a little poopy because then I'm like fuck man, I'm having to ride around this stupid throttle map that no other brand has had to do to deal with EPA emissions. And truthfully, I think it comes down to like that bike was built for the European market, and then they thought out the US market second, right? And instead of like de- spending the time to figure out like a system that would work for both. They were just like, well, U.S. guys are probably going to chip it anyway, so we'll just... So I was going to ask if that's going to be a thing where when you put a full exhaust and chip it, it'll sort of You're handle gonna it. You're going to have to chip that bike. You right. ha- So that means you, when you buy this motorcycle to fully enjoy it, you have to immediately make it illegal. <laughs> Which, I mean, like, like I kind of want to, like, crucify BMW over it, but, like, truthfully, that's, like, what 90% of owners are going to do anyways. Yeah, yeah. So, like, maybe it's not that big of a deal. But I've never seen a motorcycle, especially this generation of Superbike, come from the factory with like that glaring of a of a throttle hole and like 
you kind of sit there like, you know what? Ducati figured out how to do it. Aprilia figured out how to do it. Yamaha figured out how to do it. What do you think that was BMW's answer to that problem? What do you mean? Like, why'd they do that where there was a huge dead spot? Because it it just makes too much noise. The, the, The engine sound. EPA noise limits are pretty tough. Euro 5, not this current round. This current round of Euro 5 is emissions. The next round of Euro 5, because Euro 5 is coming off in two waves. The next round of Euro 5 emissions is noise. Hmm. And that's going to be beyond what the EPA is doing. But the European noise limits haven't really quite reached EPA noise limits yet. Got it. And that's part of the issue. Um, and some brands are spending time to figure that out. And some brands aren't. And that's like, that's why I look at BMW. It's like, you guys just weren't interested in making a US legal bike or, or spending the time and the resources to figure it. So you just said, fuck it, just turn the throttle down. Yeah. And we've seen that with Suzuki and Honda with their super bikes, where um, from like 8,000 RPMs to Redline, it's no longer one to one with the throttle. You can actually see the the throttle input like go to forty percent towards the the top end of the hmm. of the rev range, um, and this is kind of similar to that same strategy. But you just kind of look at it and you're just like, you know, like the other brands run a bigger canister, the other brands run a bigger intermediate canister, the other brands have you know more soundproofing on the clutch covers and the, uh, the different covers, and they spend a lot of time with sound deadening materials in the fairings and. I, I don't know. I can't say if way BMW of going about it. Yeah, I don't. I can't say whether or not BMW did or didn't do that or spend as much time. But like the the fact is, like the US spec bike has that hole, and it's and like for me, like that's a deal breaker. Like it's, like say whatever you want. The bike could be perfect. The bike could be a Panigale V4 and be like my my perfect super bike. And then you put that throttle on it, and you're just like, there's nothing more disappointing. Being on a motorcycle like that with 200 horsepower, and you twist the throttle all the way to the stop. There's nothing, and nothing happens. Nothing happens. Like I literally like Ninja 250 power, if that. I'm almost surprised I didn't do like what. Um, uh, who's it? Bugatti that has like the red key. If you want the mm. full, mm. you know, thousand plus. That's horsepower. an interesting idea. Yeah. Like if they had like a separate key, like you know, they call their race like, only race key. only key. That's an interesting idea. I wonder what the legality is on that. I'm sure you have to have a conversation with the EPA. I'm sure it's a whole what thing. What was it Honda did with that with that um, GP replica bike that they had out? Because it came out with like really tiny amount of horsepower. I mean, and then- that's the same. That's the same issue where right. it's um, a limited production bike, and they're literally just saying like, "Yeah, we could spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably millions, mm-hmm. to make this bike legal in all these other markets, or we could just turn the red line down." And, and you could get it full spec power, but you have to spend more money. Or- not in the U.S. I mean, you to get the full spec power, you had to get the race kit. In the U.S., you could not get the race kit. Thanks. So it kind of like makes that whole thing um, kind of moot. Like, like that is a constraint. Like the EPA noise limit is a constraint. Noise is becoming a bigger issue than emissions in some ways. Um I think Euro five for the noise is going to be like, that's going to be like, we're going to see some funky exhausts. And then at that point, like electrics start looking really good. Maybe that's what they're working on. Maybe their, maybe their ultimate plan is to say, you know what? We made this thing. It's out. The next wave is going to be just wholly different altogether. Yeah. And, and, and I think too, they can look at it and say, Hey, in the super bike market, a lot of people are putting power commanders and 
chips and flash ECU flashes and exhaust pipes and all that stuff like this for the hardcore consumer, they were going to fix this issue anyways. They were going to do something to the bike that was going to fix this issue anyways. So that's the least way we can do harm. It's such a thing that we're used to. It's almost like a norm in the motorcycle industry. Like, well, you're going to change it anyways. Like, what difference is it? You're going to put an exhaust on yeah. it anyways. You're going to do this thing anyways. You're going to put better handlebars on it. Or you're not going to be able to do that in California. You're not. You know, carb has cracked down on that a ton. Yeah. And I don't think the future, like, truthfully, like, if you want to talk about being like good stewards in the industry, like, that's a move that has not ingratiated motorcyclists with government regulations no. and the EPA and all those organizations where it's like, yeah, your fucking customers keep going out and making these bikes super loud and make them pollute more and make them, you know, not safe. And yeah, we're going to like, I think we saw that with Harley Davidson getting cracked down for the screaming Eagle boxes. Yeah. I think the EP, I think 100% that was the EPA being like, okay, we're sick of you guys doing that. We're going to pick the biggest one that's making the most offense out of this. And we're going to like drop a Brinks truck on you. So the rest of you knock it off. Here's the thing. Once we start our church of Bapistan, mm. there'll be a religious right to change your exhaust. Oh, a religious right to change your exhaust. Hmm. In pipes we trust. In pipes we trust. Oh, I like it. I like it. Safety third. Safety third. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> safety third. Oh, safety third. <laughs> Uh, may your torque requests be bountiful. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's that's a thing. That that for me is like the biggest glaring like, fuck, what did you do to this bike? Yeah. The other one would be the vibrations. Is this still vibey? This BMW's bike, the only inline four I know of that people complain constantly about. The old that. bike didn't vibe nearly as much as the new bike did. This bike, like your hands go numb. It it the only upside is like when you're on the track and you start pushing, you start your attention starts being focused elsewhere. Right. You forget. But like that outlap or that like, you know, kind of lead follow laps that we're doing, I'm just sitting there going, like, my hands are just buzzing. This hurts. This hurts. Like, like you're sitting like like, did anyone ride this motorcycle before you sold it? Is it is it still like right at the like the cruising speed where it vibes? It's on all, all the time? speeds. Yeah. It's not just like, oh hey, it popped on. You you get on the bike. I don't think it's at idle. Let's. I'll be fair. It doesn't show up at idle. <laughs> All right, as long as there's load in you the start, transition. Yeah, you start moving, though, and you're like, what, what the fuck's going on? Why are my hands getting massaged? <laughs> oh, wait, wait no, this isn't a massage. This is something worse. Why is there an angry bees in this grip? I, mean, uh, someone, I have bees in my throttle grip. Do you have bees in your throttle grip? <laughs> Can anybody else feel this? <laughs> there's angry bees. And then it's just, it's just full buzz. And so you're just sitting there like, what are you guys doing? I like, wonder I why. Get, like, there's got to be something like, can you put like a weight on the end? Can you put an extra dampener on the clip on? Can you do something? Because it's so raw and it's so visceral that you just sit there and just like, man, this is a 20, what was it? $22,000 motorcycle. And like, it feels like a fucking lawnmower. So did I see that there's an M edition? Like so there's, the an cars? M there's an M package. Uh, that's the official thing that we're calling it. I'm actually surprised that this is the first time this has become a thing where they have an M they're package. Getting, they're just renaming the HP thing that they've been doing. Yeah. So that's, HP, that's is, the HP is out and now it's to be in line with the car side we'll, we'll call it an M package. And the M package is pretty good. So for $22,100 you get the biggest thing is you get carbon fiber wheels. Whoa. You get all the bells and whistles. You get all the pro modes. You get the electronic suspension. You get all the jazz. But the heated biggest grips. thing is you get heated grips. <laughs> yeah. You get cruise control. 
Um, they give you a different seat, some carbon fiber doodads here and there, but the biggest thing is the wheels. The wheels. For $22,100. And that comes with a fucking warranty. Holy shit. So that's I mean, pretty cool. A good set of carbon fiber wheels cost like $3,700 usually. Yes. Yeah. So there, I do think the M package is a tremendous value. Yeah. And, um, so the M package, a full Acura exhaust and a chip. Yeah. And that's in California. So that comes with, um, so that'll be 427 pounds wet. That makes it, I think, the lightest. That's pretty impressive. Superbike on the market. What's the Honda at? Uh, 427 does sound pretty ridiculous. The Honda was the lightest when we did the death match. I didn't have my scales with me, so that's not a confirmed number. Is that a real sentence you just said? Like, do you actually go around with scales? I have a, a, a intercomp two-pad scale, so I, I can like do it. weight with weight bias. Right. And it's it's accurate to within a half a pound. Oh, that's why Honda's website doesn't have the fucking weights on it anymore. That's stupid. Uh, I do believe it's the lightest superbike on the market, though. And that's But that's the M package one with the carbon Yeah. Weights. Um, oh, you know what? Maybe Google's got this for me. Hey, Google. To what? Wait. Yeah, they're quoting four thirty, and Honda's Honda. Honda's numbers are pretty. If they say four thirty, it's four thirty. Um, there's one guy here saying four twenty nine. It it depends on how you're rounding on one hundred ninety five kilos. A burger. What's one hundred ninety five kilos in pounds? 429.9 so 430 so yeah so two three pounds lighter than the honda and and truthfully like so so those are the negatives let's talk about the positives yeah let's talk about the positives because it's not all bad uh the tft dash 6.5 inch dash amazing That's beautiful big. super bright it should be the fucking gold standard like like touch screen no it's not touch screen I, that should be a thing yeah the the indian ftr had a touch screen and I, I, know, a touch screen. I know other bikes do yeah yeah um, that, that should be coming up. I feel like the next generation machines will have to have that. Yeah. But for now, like, I guess I'm, they have to be glove compatible. For, That's gonna be yeah. For me, like, uh, I'm very much into the user interface. How is it compared to, I know the V4, the V4 Panigale is pretty well in it. It's really, I mean, they have a couple different ones. So they have one like call like the, so the pure one's the one I like because it's literally just a big fat tack bar right through the middle of the screen. <laughs> The biggest number you see is your speed, and you've got a gear indicator and a couple other things. And that's about it. Temperature. That's and all I really need. Yep. I just want to know how fast I'm going, what gear I'm in, and where I am in the rev range. And then they have one that they call the core. They call it core. Hmm. I call it the R1 dash. Oh, really? Because <laughs> it's got like all the lean angle right. and brake and all the all the information from the IMU, and you're just like, there's no way on God's green earth you're going to be able to no, look at that information while the you're PlayStation riding. PlayStation video game. Yeah, dash. exactly. It's like full telemetry, but it does have that <laughs> if you're into it. Uh, sorry, 5.6 inch dash, not 6.5. That's a little dyslexia for you. Um, yeah, 6.5 would be pretty sizable. That's dash. pretty big. Even 5.6. I mean, it looks it looks great. It's fantastic. The bike handles really good. Really good side to side transition. Really? The suspension's a little too soft, even when like we got into the pro modes, and that's supposed to the pro mode's supposed to rely like ninety on the mechanical setup, and then like a ten percent dynamic. Whereas in race, it's like the other way around. It's like ten percent dynamic or ten percent uh, mechanical and ninety percent dynamic. Huh. Um, but like 
what they consider stiff and what I consider stiff are two different things. So the bike still felt pretty soft to me. I think that probably goes back to what we were saying earlier about my suspension. It's not quite made for us. Right. And I'm probably going to want some springs right. or something in there. Um, they're doing uh, Marzocchi forks and shock. On all of them? Even on, the M? On all of them. Okay. They're doing haze brakes. Wow. With a Nissan master cylinder. How'd they feel? Yeah. Yeah. So this is the thing, like, you know, the thing that kind of kills me with the BMW is like they kind of picked all the wrong names for their for their suppliers and partners. And their whole thing was like, well, you know, they're building it to our spec. And it's like, yeah, okay, but you know what? Like, I bet Brembo knows a little bit more about building a master cylinder than Nissan does or or Hayes does in terms of calipers. And it can be to your spec, but like and they and they made a big thing about like well you know we we program that feel so it doesn't have as much bite so it's more progressive and you're like yeah I don't really want like I shouldn't be pulling the lever hoping for more brakes and not getting it back <laughs> Hope this you know works. if anything yeah if anything I want to have more brakes than I know what to do with and learn a little bit more lever control yeah, feel feel with brakes is a hell of a thing when you're when you're doing yeah. proper track days so the brakes for me like they didn't have enough bite they were too spongy there wasn't enough power there wasn't enough modulation so I'm just kind of sitting there going like you know what I want I want some fucking Brembo's on here <laughs> and I was talking to a couple guys on the launch with me that that were quick guys and we we're all just kind of like man like you know like it's really hard to to find the feel with these brakes and to really feel comfortable on on getting the bike um you know, stopped. And there's a couple turns where I was like, you know, I, I cooked into it a little harder than I wanted because I'm sitting there just like, give me some fucking more. Like I want more. Come on. I want a super bike. You need, I need to be able to go and I need to be able to stop. Do you think that's programmable through their ABS or no? No, 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 no. It's not the ABS. It's, it's the mechanical really components that just aren't like, cause you can, you can pull that lever hard enough and you can get the rear wheel up and the ABS will do the rear wheel, rear wheel lift mitigation for you. Pretty good. Um, but it's just kind of like coming down the front straight at Barber. Like you click into fourth really quick, really quick. And then you get on the brakes and click it down two gears to go through that turn. One gear, three gears, depending, <laughs> depending on how you're doing it. But um, that one, like, because it has like a weird little crest that comes down. Like you really need to like be able to modulate the brakes and feel what's going on and, and slow that bike down because 200 horsepower is coming at you pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I just like I just really didn't like it. So like you sit there and it's like you know for twenty two thousand dollars I want to have the Brembos. I want to have a Brembo radial master cylinder with a nineteen mil piston. I want to have Brembo calipers. You know now the Stradales are the um it's not the Stradale, Stalmas. I don't know where that came from. Stalma calipers. You're thinking of a different brand. Or the new Jam M fifties are great caliber too though. Um, you know, put some Z04 pads on it. Like, like there's certain expectations on what I want. And I, and I think that's what BMW keeps doing. That's really weird to me. They keep doing things like really different than what the market's doing. Like on, on stuff that like, there isn't like any innovation value. Like you're not like, Oh, well we do it this way. And that makes it better. Like, right. like at least Eric Buell's like, I put the fuel in the frame and that makes it do a thing. And you're like, well, that's a fucking stupid thing. But at least you have like, you're doing it for a reason right. that you think is better. Your ZTL brakes, they don't work. But that's at least horrible. you think they do. And that's why you're doing it. Whereas like, truthfully, I just think BMW is like, yeah, it's cheaper to use Hayes instead of Brembo. It's cheaper to use Nissan than Brembo. It's cheaper to use Marzocchi than Olin's. You mean and a manufacturer goes for the lowest bidder? Yeah. And you just sit there what? and just like, like, I don't think like you're, you're like, innovating or being clever i just think you're being cheap and you're trying to tell me that like they're the same and they're not so um, 
and, and it was and it was the same thing with with the um you know the throttle issue it's the same thing with the vibes and you're just sitting there just like you guys are kind of like like do you not realize a great example the electronics for the traction control most companies they do like a traction control setting like we'll have like let's say eight to ten levels of of traction control tens mm-hmm. the most traction control one's the least and maybe there's a zero where there's the traction off, control right. is off and that makes just about everyone does it like this Aprilia does, Ducati does. Uh, I'm trying to think back to the the Japanese manufacturers. I'm pretty sure they do it the same way too. BMW, it's like negative seven to positive seven, but then they start you at zero. <laughs> and like you're like, well, what the fuck does that Wait, mean? What's negative seven, dude? Does yeah, it just fall over as soon as you sit on it? Yeah, basically. And like, <laughs> but that's like, so there's like a weird like mental thing where you have to get this in. Like, I'm putting negative traction control on, I, uh, but I still have traction control. It it's just very weird, and it's a very weird way of thinking about it. And no one else does it, and there's no real value into doing it the way they do it, right. other than like you're very confusing. Uh, now I understand why BMW riders are BMW riders. Yeah, it's you. I mean, negative seven. Negative seven. All, All right. right. My track control's on negative. That was the thing. Like, I ended up, like, my track control ended up on, like, negative two. If somebody doesn't buy one of these bikes and make the license plate say negative seven somehow on there, <laughs> like NEGTV7, <laughs> I'll be so happy. So there's just a strange, there's just little strange things like that that just kind of, like, rub me the wrong way. But at the end of the day, like, the core pack, like, fuck me. When the power, when you're not stuck in that hole. The power is there. Like that is, like I said, it is a true 200 plus horsepower machine. That, Do you think it's faster than that, its predecessor? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. That's when a whole it gets, thing because that thing I was mean, no, no slouch. I mean, let's put it this way. If I had to go do laps at PIR on both bikes, would the new bike be quicker without fixing the throttle? Yeah. I don't know because that hole is so big. Easily losing a second a lap if, if you have to hit, if you hit that hole. I feel like if you're on a on a but if you can keep it on track the, like PIR, you would know where to be on. Yeah, the if you can keep it on the boil, and that was like the only thing. Like we, I really only had that issue at, coming out of Charlotte's Web, which is a really slow turn. Um, well, where was the else? Where was the other bus stop of a turn? Yeah, there's like this weird. I forget what the name of the turn is, but you do like this weird kind of curb hop, and you're definitely in first gear there. But <laughs> that wasn't that bottle hole wasn't as big there for some reason but whatever it is like you just sit there like you're gonna lose a second if you can keep it up in the rev range if you can keep it on the boil as you should when you're riding an i an i4 really hard um an inline four it's not as big of an issue so like that's really tough but let's say at pir i did hit it i'm losing a second guaranteed i'm gonna lose a second and just taking away that much power it's just oh my god it's just there's just nothing there shaheen I do think it is faster bike. It's hard for me to imagine it. It's easier to ride in terms of it's more flickable. Um, especially with those carbon wheels. It's more of a handful with the power, especially when you come out of that hole because the power is like a light switch. So you go from, you know, 20% throttle to 100% throttle. <laughs> so the wheel's going to come up. So that, you're style. always managing, you know, the front wheel. With does it the have wheelie? It does. And that's finally like, so they have the six axis IMU from Continental, I believe. Ah. And... You know, like they made a big thing about like having the electronics. Electronics are so good. And you're like, well, you know, your electronics are now on par with everyone else. But they do have an, an anti wheelie function that's separate from the traction control function. They don't have, they don't separate out the slide function, which Ducati and Yamaha do. 
Um, and I think Aprilia does now as well. Hmm. So, um, is Honda? I have to go back and look at the Honda if it does, does or doesn't. Kawasaki didn't. Um, Suzuki certainly doesn't. <laughs> uh, so, you know, like there's, I wouldn't say like their electronics are at the pinnacle of it, but they're on par. You know, they're, they're right there. Like it's honest. The power is amazing. Um, those carbon wheels are sick. I think the bike looks really good. There's a couple of clever things like the, um, the brake light, the tail light uh-huh. and the turn signal, the return signals are actually like just one unit. It's hard to describe without showing you a picture. Yeah, I thought I saw a picture where there was actual turn signals on the... There's turn signals, but they double as the brake light as well. Oh, uh, so they're... Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's really cool. And you sit there and you're like, that's clever. I bet that saved like half a pound too. Yeah. That's really fucking clever. So that's that's the thing where it's like, oh, you're going to do something different that everyone else does, but you're doing it for a reason. Like, hey, we found a, hey, we found a way to cut half a pound. And that's by <laughs> you know doing this little clever thing. I'm all about that. But it's just like, oh no, we made our traction control negative seven. You're like, well, that was, that was dumb. Well, I don't like. I that. mean, it's it's uh, negative six is too much. Uh, so no more of the Captain Winky up front. No more Captain Winky, and there's a good reason why there was Captain Winky to begin with. So for those who don't know, the the previous generation S1000RR had uh, an asymmetrical headlight. And the reason for that was one was a high beam and one was a low beam. Mm-hmm. And it actually saved weight to have them be in separate housings and rather than make them like the same, make them symmetrical. Because one had to be uh, a projector housing, the other one was a, a regular, regular mirror, uh, mirrored housing. Why don't I have photos of this? I have two questions here on our. But so, so now that it's an LED headlight, um, there's just no need Doesn't for that, need be, so yeah. it can be symmetrical. What was your question, sir? So, uh, two questions from oh, from uh, our Instagram people. So, so this is kind oh, of like a bad it. bad photo. This is one of my photos, so that's why it's bad. But you Whoa. see how like so you see how this one's red? Yeah, you can't quite see it because of this is whatever. But that so when you're on the brakes, the turn signals turn completely red. So, I guess if you want to make it where it's got some kind of a like license oh, plate. Uh, now you can kind of see it there. Oh, yeah, I see it. So how do you do a license plate elimination on that thing for the people who love doing that shit? Uh, to get rid I of mean, that? I'm sure the cables are there. But yeah, yeah you're going to have to like... You're going to have to like do something. That's interesting. Fancy. It almost looks like they've made it where it's easier to take that entire setup apart for track days. Absolutely. That's pretty great design. I like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's smart. Yep. You're doing something that your competitions <laughs> aren't doing. That's super fucking smart. The Germans are smart. The Germans are very smart sometimes. Um, what else did I like about this machine? Handles really good. Power's really good. Sounds good. Looks good. It's a good looking bike. The fit and finish looks good. Does it sound good even with a giant exhaust? Yeah, it sounds, sounds fine. I mean, it's an inline four, but... I, I like the line four too. I remember like the MV Augusta when it came out with the line four. We we're like, oh, that's what that's love what the dash, is. love the switch gear. Um, you know, they they do a lot of really things right. There's just like a couple things there. You're just kind of like, what the fuck are you doing with that? Yeah. So, um, so an overall score of ninety seven. Ninety seven. Like I definitely like it more than the R one. I think it's the best inline four on the market. There's some things like I would like to see. One, I'd like to see BMW stop doing this weird like pro rider mode because the the four modes it comes with are just too soft. Like even the race mode is kind of too soft for the track. 
And so are you able to go through it and kind of customize it though for your your no, writing style? Those are preset. Oh, those really? are preset. So if you want to start dinking around with things, you need to have the promotes. So that's the thing, like you're gonna have to buy the promotes. And to be fair, like I think the to be fair in the US, if you want a base model, which is at like what sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars, right? You're gonna have to special order it. And it's gonna be made special for you in Germany, and it's gonna be here by Christmas time. <laughs> the only bikes they're bringing in are the I think they're calling it the Sport Package and the M Package. And I believe, let me double check this. Oh, I'm on I'm on the web browser. What did I just do? Uh, I believe both of the trim packages that will actually be in dealers already have those. So it's kind of a moot point. You're just, you're just, you're going to buy it whether you want it or not. Yeah. Um, but you do want it because that's where that makes the bike on par with all the other models. Like if I was to spec this like base model to base model, mm. it would probably have to be the sport model versus another brand's base model because the, the, um, because of the way they do their packaging and, and all that bullshit. Uh, what do they call it? Is, is it the race package? It must be the race pack. No, it's not the race package. It's a sport select. It's the select package. The select package doesn't come with the pro modes. So many packages. So you're going to have to buy the race package. Oh God. See, that's so fucking stupid. That's so fucking stupid. I just, it's just weird how they segment their stuff, but you're, so you're going to have to get the pro modes. I don't like that. Um, I've lost my train of thought again, but yeah, there's some things that like, oh, that's what it was like the, the comparisons. So, you know, you have to buy that package to kind of get on par with the other manufacturers. But once you're there, it's a pretty good bike, you know, like I think, I think I definitely enjoyed having an RSV4 or Panigale V4 underneath me. I think they bring more sophistication and more value. Um, I think the price for the M package is pretty good though. It's 22,000 versus, um, I think the comparable. So the Panigale V4S is 275. Yeah. And Aprilia 1100 factory is 24.5 and the BMW is 23,000. So like on price, even, you know, if you, like I'm sitting here like, Oh, you have to buy the extra packages. Yeah. But after you buy the packages and after you buy the carbon wheels and the, all the other cool stuff that right. you want anyways, it's still the cheaper bike. I mean, you're still going to have to get a chip to fix that throttle thing, but that's pretty much, and you're going to have to figure out something for your hands on the vibration. Yeah. That's, that's a problem. I mean, what, how do you, how do you solve that mm. problem on a, on a bike with clip-ons on it? Is it the same sort of dampening you would do on a, on weights at the end of the bar, bar end weights would help. Um, maybe you can put like different clip. I mean, Weights is really the only thing you can do. Yeah. Um, the other thing I forgot to mention, the quick shifter. Amazing. The really? first few laps. Up, down. I mean, just perfect. Wait, what happens afterwards? I had the same issue on the old bike. After like doing a bunch of sessions, Like I don't know if it overheats or what, but we had the same issue when we had the bike at PIR where eventually the quick shifter just stopped working. We stopped getting a lot of mischiefs. It was the same thing at Barber. First, it stopped being able to do... Um, quick downshifts then it stopped being able to do both quick downshifts and upshifts it just kind of like was like i'm done and bmw took the bike and did something to it and then i got it back for like the last session and it started working again but 
it was very weird to see that happen. And I had missed shifts, like my number of missed shifts grew over the course of the day. And then the downshift stopped working and then the upshift stopped working. So it was like the quick shifter got progressively worse, 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 and then started failing. And I wonder if they're going to have a recall on that. Already. You just sit there and like, and we kind of had the same issue with the previous generation. You're just like, well, what the fuck is going on here? I, I don't have an explanation. I don't know. BMW didn't talk about it with me. Um, so that's kind of like one of those things you're like, huh? That's so, a weird one. Yeah. And I don't think, I think one other person had a similar issue and that was about it. Oh, so it wasn't everybody's problem? No. And so you're just kind of sitting there like, huh? So I don't know. That's where I sit there and like, there's a couple things where I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know, it doesn't have that problem. R1. <laughs> V4. RSV4. Honda had that problem. Honda's shifter was a mess. Kawasaki, they didn't have that issue, though. Are they all using more or less the same brand of quick shift or no? I don't know, to be honest. I wonder I wonder what the electronics are on that. Um, so that's that's an interesting thing. Like, so this thing, like, you know, like we're sitting there, I'm just kind of like, there's a couple, there's a couple things here that are really kind of big deals. Like, quick shifter is not reliable. Throttle's got a gigantic mat hole in it. Bar- and it buzzes so much. I could probably forgive the buzzing. It's silly. It's silly how much there is, but like it didn't detract from my enjoyment once I was like getting on the throttle. Like I could kind of get past it. But the other things did. And that's tough. But it is cheap. And it's got a lot. I mean, it's not fantastic. cheap. It's just cheaper than the other it's European Cheaper than the ones. others. Yeah. It's still a 20 plus thousand dollar bike. That's fair. That's true. That's fair. But it's got carbon wheels. But it's got carbon. I am blown away by $22,100 gets you that bike with carbon the wheels. The M package is the value statement in the industry. Like They're I probably going to sell out of those first. Bang for the buck. That's probably the best thing you got going there. Well, I wonder no, if they're going to do the a buck. naked version of the new bike with an M package as well. Bang for the buck. The RC4RR is the best thing out there. Put carbon wheels on that and I think it gets done. Yeah. But okay, um, just put just put yeah. forge wheels on it and you'd be done. Well, you need a little bit more than forge because the the RC4 has the toughest, the slowest roll. So you need to get that rotating mass as light as possible. And even then, you're not going to fix it, but it'll be better. Who does BMW's uh, carbon wheels? Do you know? It's a good question. I meant to ask. I don't know if it's BST. The thing that's interesting with BMW is they are investing heavily in carbon fiber themselves. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did it themselves. In-house. Um, because they certainly have the technology to do it. And uh, that's very interesting. But that is a good a good question. I should probably follow up on that. Um, so, yeah, interesting bike to get on. I have to say I'm disappointed because I, I was really looking forward to that bike. And I was really looking forward to, like, being excited i was excited about it before shaheen and i left not excited do you think you're gonna do a long-term one i don't think bmw will give me a long-term <laughs> one. this is the first bmw launch i've been to in seven years oh wow um and even then like i don't like there's a lot that could be said there's a lot could be said but that's i mean that i feel like that's good for the manufacturer to have these conversations you're trying to make something amazing you're trying to be above and you know above and beyond everybody else about it and if it's going to have these little stupid problems with it fix it that's the thing is like the core of it is really good yeah you're kind of getting like killed on like the finer points right and like i said like i still think it's the best inline ford on the market i i I really do like i don't i think yamaha's gotten the finer points better but i think the core is missing a little bit and obviously it's an older platform too but bmw came right out and they they 
Yep. You definitely made a better bike than, than Yamaha. Congratulations. Cause that's, that's not easy to do. The problem is, is that, you know, the brands have kind of moved on a little bit more than where you were, you were saying like, like that's the thing, like this bike makes the S 1000 double R definitely back into that hunt. Like if you go out and like, say like, Hey Jensen, I bought a BMW super bike. What do you think about that? I'm like, right on. You're going to enjoy that. It's going to be a fun bike for you. Is it what I would choose? No. Do I think it's the best bike? No. Is that a good bike? Yeah, it's a good bike. Where you go out there and you're like, oh, I got the Suzuki. And you're like, well, you're going to need to do a lot to really get that Suzuki to wake up. Oh, I got a Honda. I'm like, oh, good luck. You're going to have about 10 horsepower less than everyone else. Oh, I got the Kawasaki. I'm like, okay, good luck. Enjoy your Casio watch of a dash. <laughs> um, you know, like there's definitely things you're sitting there going like, Ugh. Hey man, some people like wearing Casio watches. Oh man, look! Have you seen the cast? Have you seen the dash on the on the ZX10R? I have. I don't uh, think they've changed it since it became the ZX10R. Uh, <laughs> so, um, there's things like that where I'm like, yeah, okay. But I I wanted more. Like this is one of the most. I, I think I said like this is the most anticipated bike for me this year. Like this is the bike I want to get on the most this year. Right. And it's just kind of disappointing to be like, oh. I was hoping you were going to be an A, and you're really more of a B. But I mean, you gave it kind of a B, maybe B plus, plus ish, ninety seven. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, it's like when the smartest student in the class gets a B plus. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you got a good grade, B right. plus, nothing. To but it at. makes the other kids B's feel really get smart degrees, if they got sir, better grades uh, than but them. The expectation was higher. I expected more from you. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And maybe some of that is just because we're at Barber, and that's like not a great track. I love to go to PIR, which is a great superbike track, or Coda. Coda have been the perfect track to but that go. That thing stretches legs a little bit on Coda. Yeah. I, bet, I bet that front straight, you'd hit some stupid speeds on that thing. The back straight. You're right. It is the back, back straight, straight. I bet we could touch close to 200 in the back straight. Whoa. I bet Do they be... talk about if it's uh, if it's governed? Oh, no. Like 299 kilometers an hour? I don't know. I mean, how would we know on a track like Barber? You would never. I mean, like, we barely got into fourth gear. Barely. It is a tight little track. And depending, like, sometimes you just, like, you sit there and you think, like, is it just easier to bounce it off the the rev in third? Maybe. Yeah, but then you're trying to... I mean, when your quick shifter doesn't work, yeah. (laughs) You're going to do it anyways. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was interesting. It was an interesting look. Barber's an amazing facility. We got to look at the museum, uh, pay our respects to the bird. We actually got a private tour of, of the museum, which was pretty rad. Isn't it amazing? Um, I mean, you can. I've been. I was at it five years ago. That should be a bucket list stop for every motorcyclist. Every. And one of the docents, like he made like a joke. He was like, you know, there's a reason we sell a three day pass. Well, yeah, because there's legitimately three days worth of stuff. Especially, I spent spent seven hours there, and it was not nearly enough. Yeah, if you walk around with a docent, especially if they really know their stuff, and each of them has kind of like their specialty and what they're into. So the one guy that was showing me around, he was showing me all like the original. Like this is the first steam powered motorcycle. This is the first gas-powered motorcycle. This is the first motorcycle with rubber wheels. And you're like sitting there, like he's like really getting in. And you're like, holy fuck! Like someone's smart and had to figure that out, right? Like that's really interesting. <laughs> like and you look at them and they're in amazing condition. Do they have the the board racers down the? Yeah. Oh, that's such yeah. a cool. That's what we finished. We, we started at like the first motorcycles and we finished with the board racers. Awesome. Because that's what that's what my guy knew the best. Um, got to see funny funny story. Just a little quick little like. Like like Jensen Ego thing. <laughs> There's a whole exhibit for for Eric Buell. He's got tons of bikes. Like if you're a Buell nerd, you got to go to the museum right now because there's so many cool Buells from from Harley Davidson Buell up to Eric Buell Racing Days Whoa. Buell. Um, and there's this one dirt bike in the middle of it, and because they have a couple clay models, and this one's in one of the clay models. 
So like five years ago, we ran a story, Eric Buell Racing, considering making a 450cc dirt bike. And I had a colleague from across the pond see that story, CC'd me on an email to Eric Buell and said, I'm going to paraphrase, Eric saw this bullshit story and thought we could pass it on to you and have a laugh. Can't believe this guy's in the fucking industry. What a loser. XOXO. And um, so it was very uh, fun. I mean, I got a chuckle when I saw it because I was very confident in our story then. So it was very funny to see the prototype right there, right there with the clay. And you're like, oh, you didn't think that thing was real, huh? It's right there. Yeah, just so take the a clay, picture and just, it and just write down. People don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> I'm watching you. I don't think he's in the industry anymore. <laughs> but it's just one of those things like, hmm, I don't like saying I told you so, but I fucking told I you told so. So a little ego stroke there for me. Um, that was fun. But yeah, the Barber Museum is amazing. I, I, and the facility is amazing. Like oh, the, that whole course is. And it's gotten bigger than when I saw it five years ago. I, I heard they added more to it. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm dying to go back. Worth seeing. Uh, Barber Vintage Fest is a great event to go to. Excuse me. Don't have my Mountain Dew today. Uh, Barber's Vintage, Vintage Fest is a great thing to go see and make the museum a part of. And that, that's a great trip to Alabama if you have to go to Alabama. Um, Birmingham. Just don't bring a super bike. Like the whole entire time, I was like, man, I, I mean, wish bring I, a, I, wish you know, I had my bring Kramer. 600. 600 would be about as big as I'd want to run there. Mm-hmm. I think, like, if you're a new Ninja 250 rider, your Ninja Kramer would be fun there. Kramer would be rad. Anything that doesn't have like more than 150 horsepower, I think it's going to be really yeah. a good time. Uh, they really need to repave it though. <laughs> they really do. It's well, they do a lot of car races really there too, and those guys up. beat up on that. And there's seams. Like the seams are really probable. The, was it turn two? Like it was really like you come across the seam and you're like, it wasn't turn two. Well, turn two had it for sure, but there was another turn. Which one was it? Uh, was it coming up the hill, the final hill? Oh, I'd have to think back. There was one where you like you went. I went across the seam every single time, and every single time I thought it was the bike about to tuck the front because it was just the transition over the seam. And I had to tell myself like, no, 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 that's not the tire going stay away. Stay the course. Stay the course. That's just the seam. That's <laughs> just the seam. You're fine. The bike's fine. That's just the seam. And you're just like, man, like, can you guys just kind of like repave this? Like, this is an amazing facility. Can you just repave it? So it's like, like, there's no caveats to like why this is amazing. But um, definitely a bucket list track to ride. Definitely the museum is a bucket list thing to go see. Um, I got to do a bucket list thing. What'd you do? I got to ride this thing. Oh, that's right. That's right. You got on the Walt Siegel adventure bike. Walt Siegel adventure bike. That's cool. A a friend of mine here has one and... I think he's seen me basically rock a chubby around yeah, it every he's time I see it. Tired of seeing your pants fit you improperly. So there's a there's the local rockers uh, club here, and they have their Tuesday night bike night at a local sort of dive bar, and um, we're just kind of sitting there talking about the motorcycles. There's a real good different amount of motorcycles there, and the Walt Eagle sitting there, and he sees me. He's like, "Have you ridden it yet?" I'm like, <laughs> "No." You want to ride it? Yes. Let me get my helmet on. Like he didn't even finish that <laughs> sentence. I was already putting my gear on. What you don't want to do when somebody gives you the key to their $40,000 bike is drop it. Yeah. I didn't drop it. Okay, good. I was, I was a little worried about that story. I was about to go but somewhere. I stalled it in front of the entire rocker group. And man, I was just standing there like this motherfucker. <laughs> I forgot how to ride a motorcycle. I'm so excited. I'm so giddy. 
Turns out the the clutch on it is just an old school dry clutch, and I'm I'm used to riding my silky smooth Multistrada, and so I just gave it a little bit of gas and let go of the clutch to go, and the bike just went. Bleh. I was like, what? No, damn it! And he was so gracious. He's like, no, no, it's not you, man. It took me like five or six times to figure out how to ride this clutch. I'm like, you're a very kind person for giving me the key to this bike. I promise I won't do this again. Bye. And I just took off, and I and I rode it around just the neighborhoods for like. Five, ten minutes, took a couple of pictures of it. I screamed in my helmet the entire time. Mostly because I couldn't hear myself think. It's so fucking loud. It's just a straight pipe on it. But the bike weighs nothing. I don't know how Walt Siegel takes all the weight away from it. Even with six gallons of fuel. I think it's like 370-something pounds. I would love to take that bike adventuring. It's amazing. It's just like having all the horsepower. You got 100 plus horses from an 1100cc motor on a lightweight bike that's pretty plain i i don't know if i had the money i'd probably buy one just because i'm i have i have such a love affair with the bike but it's a lot of money for a very very simple machine and i think what you're paying for is just walt's vision his his massaging yeah, his, of, of goodness I, i'd have a hard time with a forty thousand dollar bike that i'm probably going to drop down a ravine I, you know if you spent it you can drop it but as soon as i put my leg over this bike i'm like if i drop this bike Holy shit. And that's the only thing he said. He's like, just don't drop it. Okay, I won't drop it. And like suddenly I went from knowing how to ride for 24 years to, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I'm riding somebody else's bike. Uh, but like you gave me the key to your Street Fighter. I was like, yay, Street Fighter, bye. This thing, for whatever reason, I'm like, this is a piece of art. I can't even believe I was able to put my... You don't think the Street Fighter is a piece of art? I mean, sure it is, Jensen, but it's not <laughs> a $40,000 bike. <laughs> it's got $40,000 of value to me. <laughs> Your sentimental value cannot be cashed <laughs> at the bank. a lot of sentiment, man. <laughs> cannot be cashed at the bank. Um, so I got to ride it. It was amazing. It was super lightweight. It loved doing wheelies for for any given fucking reason whatsoever. Uh, super strong brakes on there. It looks like he put the same front suspension from a, the current Multistrada 950, so it's much taller uh, fork tubes and a lot more uh, travel. Mm-hmm. So the bike, I mean, it's built to go out and be beat up on. I just can't personally see myself beating up a forty thousand dollar bike on like the gravel roads that I was on, where I was hitting crazy uh, holes and baby head rocks on my bike this last weekend. Mm-hmm. It's meant to do that. I just can't see me doing it. So appreciate uh, Greg letting me ride the bike. It was I grinned the whole. I, I'm still smiling talking about it. It's like dream status, bucket list checked off. Thank you very much. I'll uh, just keep giggling at the bike every time I see it next. Yeah. I think that's a cool experience. I'm jealous. Oh, so cool. Um, so we're uh, two bullet points in out of six. Nice. We do well. <laughs> really quickly, we should get through the Isle of Man TT because that's going on right now. Okay. Uh, you got anything you want to say about it? I, mean, just, I, I love it so much. I want to go to it. And every time I hear somebody died, I'm not surprised, but I'm super sad. Yeah. This year has been tough. The weather. The weather is the story from the Isle of Man TT. Really? There's been so much bad weather. They've had very little time to get practice session ins. Practice sessions in. Uh, there was three races on Monday. There were five races on Thursday, and they're going to do one race on Friday, which will be the senior TT. Hmm. So that's a super condensed race schedule, just to like, and like they're hoping to like get the TT, like the senior TT, done quick because there's a storm coming in that day, and. Um, it's just made it really hard to get the laps in and for people to get comfortable and, and stuff like that. It's, this is like the first time in a long time where the weather's been... Uh, the weather's I mean, always... it's that time of year. You'd never know what's going to happen, but... We had the senior canceled 
two years ago, and that was a big deal. Um, so the weather's been playing more of a role every year. This is the first year where it's like, it's just really just like fucked everything up. Um, but though they're squeaking it in, Peter Hickman's doing really well. Uh, he, he's got three race wins, uh, in this fortnight. So that makes his total up to four. Michael Dunlop won the lightweight TT. So that brings his total up to 19. Hmm. Uh, Michael runner rudder won the TT zero. Um, Lee Johnston won his first race uh, ever, a TT race, in the Super Sport, the first Super Sport race. And then the Birchall brothers are crushing it in the sidecar. And we don't know. We haven't had the senior TT yet. We're recording on Thursday. So it happens in like, it happens in like 12 hours or so, actually. Is that right? Am I just doing the math right? What time's it over there? I think, are they? Happens in, yeah, about, they're closing the roads down at 10 a.m. It happened, it's almost midnight there. So yeah, 10 hours, 12 hours. Ooh. Um, anyone's guess on who that could be? I mean, Hickman's looking really good. I think you can never count out Michael uh, Dunlop. John McGinnis is not really looking that great this year. Um, uh, Ian Hutchinson's not really looking great this year. Uh, we did have one fatality on the on the course. That's always um, a sad reality of, of racing yeah. the Alaman TT, uh, unfortunately. So, um, you know, definitely want to give our uh, our thoughts to uh, Daily Matheson's family. I think there's a GoFundMe for them as well. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, he's a young guy too. You know, he's mid twenties. So um, it's weird. It's weird going to the TT. It's the only race I can go to knowing statistically that I'm going to report on someone dying. Yeah, like, that, like I'm that, literally going to go. Always a thought about Pike's Peak, but I think this more so. Pike's Peak, if you look over the years, has actually had a really low fatality rate. Uh, and that's mostly due to the fact that the dirt kept the speeds down. Now that the asphalt's come in, I think statistically it's still safer than the TT, but it's definitely the fatality rate's gone up. Hmm. Um, and that's always a, a worry. But um, Man, you got to go. Talking about how Barber's like a, a bucket list, TT's a bucket list. The problem with the TT is once you go once, you want to go every year after yeah. that. It's amazing. I've I've been wanting to go for, for as long as I can remember. So I got I to gotta try and make it a thing. You should. We should try to figure that out. I think we should. We should. Well, I mean, it's. Don't you have to kind of weigh in advance? Try to book your rooms or uh, yeah, rent a house or something. That's the hard part. Unless you want to like go camping, but the there's not enough hotels on the island. Right. So what they do is like kind of bed and breakfast. A lot of the locals open up their house like a bed and breakfast. And truthfully, I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. Because it's it's pretty cool. Because usually there's a there's like a group of people there staying with you. And like the day kind of works where like you all go to different places and watch the race wherever you got to. And then you know the roads open back up and you come back. And that's like dinner time. So you all kind of sit down and have dinner and like trade stories on like what you <laughs> saw that I was oh yeah, I was at, you know, uh, Bright Hill and I saw this and I was at, you know, you know, the gooseneck and I saw that and I was at Ramsey's and this and that and kind of like trade stories and then about 10 o'clock that night, the ITV4 coverage comes on and kind of like pieces it all together for you and kind of get like the race recap. And it makes for like a really good experience. Um, and many, the, and it makes people are just super friendly. They're just super friendly. How many times have you gone now? Two, three times? Sheesh. Two or three times. I can't remember. Two or three times. That's, that's on the two. bucket list. That is definitely on the bucket list. Uh, it's good. It's good. Um, what else is good to mention? TT0, Michael Rudder won. He 
set another record, but that seems like they're kind of plateauing out. But I might talk that up to the weather being the issue, not like the technology. Hmm. Uh, but Mugen, Mugen continues to dominate in that class. Uh, and we'll just see who wins this, the senior TT. I'll be interested to see. I'm also. But, um, yeah, great example. Peter Hickman on the uh, BMW S1000, the new S1000RR is making it happen. So no throttle issues there. I, I was going to say, I don't think he's, I don't think he lets the bike wind down enough to get a no, <laughs> no. And truthfully, like the BMW has really turned into the bike to have there. Really? Uh, the old generation was Michael Dunlop kind of like helped solidify that. And now like we're seeing guys on the HP4 race out there. We're seeing guys on the S1000RR and that that's really turned itself into a really good platform. Um, they're making good horsepower. They're really reliable. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's good. We're not really hearing the name uh, Guy Martin very much anymore. Uh, he's not really racing anymore. He's pretty much retired at this point. Hmm. He's just doing his little TV shows and working on trucks. Working on diesel trucks. Yeah, I think the last real like race that he was at was Pikes Peak. And that wasn't... Was that last year? I'm getting my brain fuzzy now. But yeah, you know, he's really dialed back his race. And I think he's said he's done with the TT altogether, which is a bit of a shame. But... um. You know, there's definitely a new generation of rider coming in that are that are taking it to the next level. Hmm. Um, we are what an hour forty five in, and I got one more big topic I want to talk to you about. Bring it! I'm gonna cut this last one out here. Have you seen this? Is gonna be like an hour. This could either be like a two minute conversation or an hour long conversation. Come at me, bro. Uh, MV Augusta Super Veloce 800 is going into production. They're gonna make 300 of them. It's gonna be a Siri Aura, which is their gold edition. Okay. Which what kind is of price some, do you think you're going to put on that thing? Oh, probably like 60000 something okay. silly dollars. Does it come with the silly advertisement that they put out? I don't think it comes with the <laughs> naked girl who like gyrates on the seat and then says out loud different colors of the rainbow. That's the part that I think gets me the most. I'm not uh, so so if you haven't seen the advertisement for this bike, it's um well if you like boobs, you're going to like this video. Um, it's very, th- so MV's line is that it's, they were trying to go for something from like the 1970s. Like this bike's kind of from the 1970s. It's got a retro modern look to it. They were trying to do a marketing campaign that was very similar to that, that heritage. Uh, I don't really, like I wasn't alive in the seventies. So I, I mean, I can't really verify this, but I don't really remember like naked women, like dry humping motorcycles in the advertisements. I'll have to ask my dad about that. I mean, he was in Iran, so there's definitely no naked women dry humping anything. Yeah, well, Iran was a different country back in the 70s, too, That's though. fair. A, that is a true statement. It was definitely a different... Um, so, but what it has done is created a bit of a kerfuffle with with riders who are kind of tired of seeing this kind of type of advertising. Like, there's like kind of a reason, like, like, there's a certain irony of, like, MVB, like, no, 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 this was intentional. We want it to be like the 1970s. And you're like, yeah, but, like, our whole thing right now is trying to make the motorcycle market for the motorcycle industry, stop marketing like it's still the 1970s. Like right. that's the disconnect. And there's gonna be guys like you know, I like I like a naked woman on a motorcycle too. I'm a I'm a big fan of that, but like not for marketing, not for advertising. Oh. Like if I want my like soft core porn to have that, yeah, fine, yeah, great. or go down to the garage with your girl and fucking shoot some photos. Do whatever you want to do. If that's what she's into and it's consensual, absolutely. And I'm not saying this wasn't consensual, but it's it's driving a wrong message right now where. We're talking about 
wanting to have more girls in the industry, want to have more equality in the industry. And when you objectify, it kind of takes away from that message. And that's the thing. Like, like there's, there's obviously a huge debate right now on whether like, does this objectify women or not? And you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe we have to have like that conversation because it's like admitting you have a problem. Like the first step is like, you have to admit that you have the problem. So like, that's a little cringeworthy, but like this idea of like, we're having this debate on whether or not like, why can't boys be boys? This is a motorcycle sport, you know, motorcycles for guys anyways. Like there is this mentality that's kind of stuck. Let's, let's say it like black still in the 1970s. I think that's a great like time frame to like pigeonhole. And like, we're trying to move away from that and whether or not, like, and I wrote a story that was basically, this is basically the premise of it. I don't care if you agree with that or disagree. Like we can have that debate. I, I have my personal opinions of mm-hmm. it. And I can, we can have that like exchange of ideas. And I doubt, you know, any of us will really change our minds about it. Cause it's like, I like boobs. You're like, I like having more women on motorcycles. Da, 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 da. It doesn't really matter. The fact is there is a group of people who aren't motorcyclists who we would like to make motorcyclists who will be offended by this type of video. Yeah. This is the type of stuff that has turned them away from the yeah, motorcycle you've, you've market. You've officially alienated them more. Yeah. And, and, that's just like, you know, if we as an industry are saying like, hey, we want to get more women on motorcycles. We want to get younger riders on motorcycles. We want to get minorities on motorcycles. We want to get, you know, motorcycles for every budget. Okay. Well, like this, this ad turns off a good chunk of the people you just said you're trying to include. Yeah. And that's the problem. Right. You know, like, I don't care. Like you can say like, you know, like you don't think there's anything wrong with it. I'm like, that's fine. But you already have a motorcycle. We're trying to get people that don't have motorcycles and they do have a problem with it. And that's for me, like the real disconnect where it's like, you know, like we're saying we have this goal, we have goal X, but we're doing action Y that does like the only thing it achieves is <laughs> not goal X, right. you know, I want to lose weight, but I'm going to keep eating double bacon cheeseburgers. Just, God damn it. Yeah, exactly. I want to, <laughs> I want to lose weight, but I only want to eat chunk food. It's like, well, it just doesn't work that way. It's not gonna. And that's the hard part for me, Shaheen. And I mean, there is like a little bit of like, like you look in the comments section, especially on Facebook. Oh man, don't just read the comments unless you want to read the fucking comments. Our and our comments are pretty good. The ones on Facebook are pretty bad, and it's funny to me like how many people like really get like, like they feel like their manhood's being questioned by this. Oh, I mean, primarily right now, one of the people whose manhood's being questioned and whose decisions being questioned by this is. The person who was sort of in charge of making this. No, no, no. The person you're thinking of is, had, I don't think, really a horse in the race. So you're talking about Jose Galena, right? I am talking about, yes. Uh, so he's the marketing specialist for Moto, for, sorry, MV Augusta USA. Okay. I don't, this didn't come so from the, the oh, he's, this so he's just the US came from, This came from Italy. What's fucked up about that, though. He seems to have quite a horse in this race. He's, he's the motor marketing specialist for MV Augusta USA. And he's basically picking fights with all these publications and all these influencers and all these, you know, people with large followings in social media. And it's basically like, stop, you know, coming on MV. Like there's, there's nothing, first of all, like, there's nothing wrong with this. This is like, you know, us trying to be, you know, 1970s for a retro bike, blah, 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 blah. And like, you're trying to say, like, Hey man, like, Maybe like the first rule of public relations is like don't pick fights with the publications. Like I'm watching him like pick a fight with Chris Hunter at Bike XF. I'm watching him pick a fight with Alicia Elving from Moto Lady, probably one of the most influential yeah. women in motorcycling 
for for millennials right now. Phil Reed Jr. Phil Reed Jr., <laughs> who's the marketing manager at Triumph uh, Motorcycles, whose father, Phil Reed, was a MV Augusta racer who came out and said, like, hey, this is fucked up. I don't like that this brand that I have such a history with is doing this. Uh, picking fights with our buddy Steve Camerad. I'm just kind of waiting for him to show up on my site. Yeah. Um, we'll probably hear about it now. We'll probably hear about it after this podcast. But it's just one of those things where you sit there and just like, like, I can understand that like there is a cultural difference in Italy versus the U.S. And, you know, the Me Too movement hasn't really traveled across the pond to them. Right. Um, but understand like in the United States, and this is a marketing material that goes international. So it's not like it's just going in Italy. It's going to Germany. It's going to France. It's going to England, the U.S., Canada, Australia. And it's a message that doesn't really travel very well. Like this, like right now, the culture in the United States, like this is, this is an unforced error to me. Like, I don't care like what you think, like the women's rights movement is, is on a boil right now. Reproductive rights is a huge issue right now. Yeah. The Me Too movement is a thing right now. The Harvey Weinstein's, the lean in, the all these things like Harley Davidson, like the original, the bitch fell off t-shirt brand, the old white guys only club of motorcycling is sitting there going like, no, yeah, we need to totally get more women. Yeah, we need we, to get more women. <laughs> They've done an about face on their entire game because they see the writing on the wall. And here you are like totally fucking it up, MV Augusta. And then here's your marketing specialist being like, no, it's totally fine. You guys leave Britney Spears alone. <laughs> like, that's, like that's how I imagine it. Like when leave he, he goes on these tirades, he's going like, I'm like watching all these little tirades on social media. And I just imagine that Britney Spears guy under the blanket <laughs> screaming leave Britney alone. No, and you're like, no, like your brand kind of like made like a really bad message and like <laughs> you're doubling down on it. And then you're attacking the people that are trying to say like, Hey guys, Knock that shit off because we want to have motorcycling I mean, like 50 years from now. I want to still see motorcycles on the road and the way we're going. If like, this is what we keep doing, we're like, probably just not going to have it. No. And the argument that a lot of them are having are, you know, you know, you're, you're being any number of expletives by being too sensitive about this. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm, we're talking about equality. We're talking about a, a, a safe place for everyone to do the thing that we love doing. In this case, it's motorcycling. So I, yeah, I want to see more women on motorcycles. No, I don't think having pictures and videos of naked girls on motorcycles on a on a industry's global platform is the right answer. Yes, it's my opinion. Is it wrong? I'm sure there are people that out out there that are going to just shake their heads and and you know wag their fists at me about it. But come on, guys. The more you defend that action, the more it feels like. You know, like, well, there are good people on both sides. You of know, but to fair though, like, this is kind of bullshit because you're like, oh, it's one out. Like, actually, no, it was multiple <laughs> social media engagements. It was one video, but there's like seven Instagram and Facebook posts over this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a. Uh, it's it's interesting to see that he is not. Um, you know, as he put it, he doesn't really have a horse in this race because he only works for the North American brand. But he's now making it like part of his social media and he's broadcasting it and he's talking about his fights with uh, Chris and Phil and even someone like Steve. I mean, he's even going after Jesse Gentry, who's a, a social media influencer, who is a femme, who I'd say encapsulates very, very well the millennial femme mindset. 
realm of things, which is very much like a thing right now. Like right. I, I said that in my story too. Like right now in the United States, we're we're having discussions that question the very nature of gender itself. You know, and that's that's the climate that we're in, at least on the left side. You know, and on, and on the right hand side of the political spectrum, we're basically we're having these like gigantic debates about uh, reproductive rights. And I don't care where you fall on those spectrums and those issues, but like you can't like like live in this this bubble that like ignores those things because they're huge right now. They're massive. Yeah. And so like like that's the thing that kills me. We're just like you see these are issues. You see that these are lightning rod topics, and you're just like, ah, I'll just lob this grenade over the fence. <laughs> and you're like, good luck. And if and anyone then, reacts to it, there are a bunch of all kinds of expletives. I, I I've had so many come at me just because I tend to be pro human rights i tend to be pro women's rights um so i kind of get to hear it all the time of oh you're a you're this you're that like okay that i mean if it makes you feel better you can call me whatever name you want but i'm it's not going to stop me from having this belief that every human being respect you know should have rights respect should have a, a ability to make a choice on what happens with their body should you know just general things that i believe in and it's funny to see a motorcycle in this uh, a manufacturer put out an ad like this and i haven't really seen them come out and say "Ooh, sorry guys that was a misstep on our part this is not what we intended this is you know maybe clarify their stance on the whole thing and that's all it would really take i think if they just came out and said sorry bad move we respect women we want more women riders and this is what we're going to do to ensure that it's a brand that they want to come to as opposed to a brand that they're going to look at and go, nah, I'd rather go buy a Ducati. So I, I feel like Envy's too small to be able to afford stuff like that. That's the thing, right? You're a, you're a boutique brand, you're a boutique, 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 you're a boutique brand, you're a small brand. <laughs> <laughs> you're a small brand. Like you can't afford like these kind of missteps. Like that's why I say it's an unforced error. You Gain nothing no. by making that video. Right. You gain nothing. You only lose. Like, yep. like you don't even have to make like a moral argument. You don't have to break it down into whether or not you agree. Well, naked women on bikes is bad and objectification and me too and whatever. Like you just there's just nothing to be gained there. There's nothing to be gained and only stuff to lose. And you're too small to make those kind of missteps. Yep. And you just sit there and just like. I am curious to see if they'll do something, or if they say something to kind of. Uh, I did see uh, an official communication. I mean, like I said, like they were basically like, "Yeah, we intended to do that." We've got this Jose guy who works for uh, MV Gusto USA, who's basically doubled down on it, uh, on on the ad and the stance of the company as 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 hard as I think you can, and has lashed out at you know basically anyone that that disagrees with the ad and finds fault with it. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's those, those, I guess, are the, the most official communications that we're going to see on it. And that's kind of unfortunate because, like, I really like MV Augusta as a brand. I really like the, the bikes that they create. The th- uh, three cylinder platform is amazing. Yeah. The new Brutale, like, I, I emailed them like a month ago and was like, hey, what's going on with the Brutale? Like, I want to get on that bike. I want to ride it. Like, was there a press launch? I don't see it on the website. Is it out yet? When, when's, you know, what's going on? Cause, like, my readers want to know. I want to know. It's cool. Let's let's do it. Um, I like the companies. Like they kind of got like their finances figured out. They've got a good business plan that they're implementing. They seem like they've got a 
a new CEO who's got an eye on keeping things profitable. They've put Giovanni in a really good role as a COO that he mm-hmm. can be creative and drive the brand's, you know, product. Like, I feel like there's all these things are lining up. You know, they still need to get their dealer network figured out. They, know, they still need to get like their supply chain and like their reliability. Like there's some, there's some things that are need to be improved for sure, but things are kind of coming together. You know, like they're a brand that, like if you were going to invest in something like, 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 that mean, don't mean like actually invest, but like if you could like invest in them, like you could invest in like your friends, right? Like in people and be like, yeah, that's when we're like, they're going to go somewhere. An emotional investment. They're going to go somewhere like that. They're, they're kind of at a, they're undervalued right now. They're going to get some, their shit together. You know, if they get their shit together, if they get some stuff rolling, they get all the cylinders firing, they're really going to have something. And, and I think they're kind of on that track. And this for me is just like, fuck, man, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? Get your, get your shit together. If you get a chance, go on their Instagram and read some of the comments. Dude, the the Instagram it's, comments are ridiculous. It's unbelievable. And like, I'm, I'm I'm a little amazed they haven't taken the the video down. Um, but truthfully, I think I think it's cultural. I think in Italy they're just like going like, why is everyone mad? Like she's gorgeous and she she is gorgeous. No one's I, mad about how pretty she is. <laughs> I don't understand. The, like she goes yellow, <laughs> red, and then like the yellow headlight like shoots between like. I get like a huge, okay, so. Well, she could be reciting fucking poetry and it still wouldn't necessarily matter. Yeah, but here's my problem. Here's my here's my biggest creative issue with the ad. I see a naked woman. I see her gyrating on a motorcycle. And then I see like this yellow light filter and the the headlight coming between her legs. And she goes yellow. And all I can think is pee. Eh, all I can think is pee. I, I don't know. Like maybe I'm fucked up. Maybe I'm a little <laughs> too German or something. I don't know. But I just said, they're just like, you know what? Like, I should never see yellow and naked woman and and all that at the same time because it just, I just feel like it's like an R. Kelly album. Like, you could play R. Kelly over it, and I think that would make sense. I'm on a yellow on you. Yeah, right. Beep beep beep. <laughs> That's the MV's new ad. Ooh, good gracious. So yeah, I don't know about all that, man. The it, the. Irony of all this is majority of these comments that are sort of biting back at anyone that says, really, guys, are dudes. Every single one of them. Are, they're all guys. Every single they're, one they're, of them. They're all guys like in their 20s and 30s. Let me as a male tell you exactly how female <clears throat> yeah. think. Yeah. Let me let That's me tell tough. you. That's tough. That's a little cringe where they're just like, eh, I don't know. It, you know, this is this is a growing pain. Like, take the politics out of it. Take the social justice issues out of it. Um, this is the growing pain in the motorcycle industry right now, where you have an old guard that is slowly being displaced. And, you know, 10 years ago, this was probably, this this ad probably wouldn't have raised an eyebrow. No. Oh. Eh, 10 yeah. years ago. 15 years ago, maybe not. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, go, 10 go, years go. Ago, oh, 10 years ago was when I started. Go into the 80s. Yeah. But, like, that old guard, when they... They're still sitting there going like, what's the issue with this? We've been doing this for for ages. What's the issue? And there's a new guard that's saying like, that's the issue. The issue isn't this ad. The issue is the people that think this ad is okay. Mm-hmm. And that's the mindset. And that's kind of the issue I take where it's like, I don't need to make a, a political statement out of it. I don't need to make like a social commentary statement out of it. I just look at it and say, it's like, this is the issue we're fighting. If, if there is a climate or a perception that uh, the motorcycle industry isn't friendly to people that are mm. not old white males. Right. We're going to have a problem because the old white male guys are, they're fucking going out. 
You know, that's that's the hard that is the Harley Davidson issue to a T. Old white baby boomers are dying out of the industry. So you gotta get fresh blood. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the younger generations don't think like the older generations. They have different values, they have different ideas, they have different constraints on their lives. They grew up in different times. And it's like get with it or or die. Like evolve or die. That's sort of the conversation we've been having about a lot of the motorcycle brands though yeah right the idea of this is the idea of changing and realizing that your audience is changing and your buyership is changing and the way people are buying things and the way people are perceiving the commentary that you put out there that's all changing and if and mv is an old school company run by a bunch of old school people clearly with with the way that ad came out and so you know, do you think they care about the opinions of the younger crowd who's not necessarily going to be able to afford this, this, you know, limited production bike? I wonder, but it sends a bad message. Yeah, it's um, this issue is the perfect metaphor and it's like a perfect microcosm of the bigger issues inside the motorcycle industry. Everything that's being played out here over this one issue. It's what's being played out at a larger issue in, in the boardrooms and mm-hmm. in the culture and the rallies and the tracks. You know, it's like MV, uh, MotoGP is having conversation about whether or not we have grid girls going forward. OEMs are talking about whether or not that they have booth babes. Mm-hmm. And if they do, what do they wear and how do they interact? Mm-hmm. And I've seen some brands are like really clever, really clever. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, we don't need to have like the woman with the, the boobs hanging out and, you know, basically like a stripper next to a motorcycle. It's like, but you get an articulate young lady that loves motorcycles and it has a personal a very personal uh, personality very personal personal personality I like it. personable personable it's very <laughs> personable that's what i was looking for thank you um that's actually a really good way to engage with customers yeah. and they see them as a fellow motorcyclist wow oh wow that's more effective that's interesting i've been i've been in the we're having but we're seeing like rallies like just for babes right out and right. all these like female only femwala all these like female events and you're just like like look what's going on Look at around you. Like po- po- poke your head out of the trash can and see what's going on. Be, get, get your Oscar Grouch out. It's interesting that you bring up things up like the babes ride out. I've heard a lot of negative commentary again from these dudes. Well, how come the girls get to have their own thing? Well, because you're not generally giving them a platform that they feel safe to be among yeah. the rest of you in this thing. Uh-uh. So now they've created their own little spot to be able to do the thing with the motorcycle and go out and hang out and celebrate uh, the two wheels. So uh, I'm tired of seeing the, you know, your brand that sells gear for women that ride motorcycles have to be pink. I'm tired of seeing the idea that if you're, if you care about these things, uh, you're just too soft and your political correctness is overtaking you. Like get a grip. To be fair though, the pink issue, to be fair, there is, there's definitely two, like I've seen, I've seen the research on this with the brands. There's definitely two types of, of women riders. There's some women that want to have pink gear because mm-hmm. it helps them identify, I'm a female rider. I've got the pink gear on. Mm-hmm. And there's some women that want nothing to do with it. And it's the same thing with um, with some of the racers that I talk to. They're like, oh, yeah, I don't want a girls-only class because I want to race with the guys. I don't need to be out on my own. Mm-hmm. I can be one of the dudes. I can hang with them. I'm just yeah, one as of good the fastest as people we know is a girl. Yeah, it's like, we, you know, we don't. I don't need to be set aside because I'm a lady. And then there's some girls that are like, I don't really want to race with the boys. I want a safe place where like, you know, I can kind of learn my skills and race against other girls. Like there's, there's definitely a divide and there's definitely different kinds. Here, here's the most important thing. There's different kinds of women. There's not just like 
one girl oh, yeah. or one woman and one opinion that represents the female perspective on on motorcycling. They have a range of ideas and a range of issues and a range of positions, just like the guys do. Turns out they're people. You can't just put them in one little box. There's a lot of different boxes. And if they want to make a box for themselves, so be it. That's for them to choose. And sometimes the box Shut is the like, fuck like up about boxes. your opinion about it, right? That's what it comes down to. And that's that's the thing we always say. I, I, it does not make me a feminist to say things like that. I'm just a fucking human being that says, oh, that human being with the vagina and the boobs is also a human being. Like, get off it. It's interesting. It's a little sad to me that like we still have to like have like this. We still have like we're still having that conversation of like, hey, we have a problem. <laughs> because know? a lot of people don't see it as a problem. They a lot don't. of people see it as just being oversensitive. Well, and I, I think that's part of, you know, it was interesting in the in the, the comment section on ANR how quickly it kind of got like a political tinge and like people because like I went through great lengths in my story not to talk about this in like a political lens or in a social issue lens. You know, I say it, like sure, like, hey, we can have the debate. You want to have that debate? We can have that debate. I'll be mm-hmm. happy to happen. I'll be happy to have it in the in the comments section with you. But we don't even need to go there. We don't even need to have it. But people still look for it because they're like, oh, well, you're doing that. You're getting on your social. I'm like, no, no, no. I specifically said I wasn't. You can just look at this from a business point of view. You say you want to acquire demographic X. That means you have to do actions A, B, and C. You're doing actions that go completely converse to A, B, and C. You're doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Knock it off. If if you're gonna keep doing that, then you're gonna die. Revolve or die. Yep. You know, and, and just we're just letting you know. It's as simple as that. You don't even have to go down those other paths, Shane, because it's it's just as simple as that. Like you want to, you want more female riders? Like we sit here and we high five over like it's 19% female ridership now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, okay, female ridership did grow a little bit, thanks mostly to millennials. Um, but the reality is is guys started we have fewer men riding. We have all the the old white men. The yeah, baby is there boomers. more girls riding, or is there just less guys? There's riding? There's fractionally more girls <laughs> riding, but the bigger the bigger number is the men that aren't riding. Right. And so, like you know, we kind of high five ourselves over that. And you're like, no, we're really not reaching them. Like we kind of are. We're we're a little bit better. We're really not. And if you're saying like, hey, you want to fix that? This is how. Knock it off. I mean, in a way, maybe it's good that it's MV because it's a small company that's. You know, selling seven thousand motorcycles a year worldwide, yeah. and in the grand scheme of things, they're pretty inconsequential. Yeah, not a lot of people it, are really going to notice. If it. this was Honda, if this was Suzuki or Yamaha or Kawasaki, if the, we know this isn't Harley, Harley's doing everything it can not to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's the maybe that's the upside. I don't know. That's the silver lining that I'm going to leave you with. I think that's a good silver lining. All right, let's get out of this show. And we're going to immediately start recording the next show. And, uh, part D. Part D. But it'll part come out of Jensen's many, many adventures. Yeah. Of May slash June. You're going to have to wait a week to find out about it. Dun, dun, dun. But we're going to do it right now. <laughs> I'm so curious. What are we going to talk about? I don't know. I don't know. So, what do we say to that, sir? Uh, you know, we always say things like safety third. Good talk. I'll see you out there. Bye. Well, hold on one second. Coda. Killing me, Smalls. Stupid cat. <laughs> uh, where, where was I? V4, Michael Dunlop.